What's up, bikers? I'm Robert. This is the Biker Bar Podcast live stream. Today, episode 130, Fazari Bikes. If you're not familiar with them, you will be after this episode. Before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys to do me a favor. Follow my Instagram. Follow my Facebook. Hit subscribe. Hit the thumbs up. All of those things, they really uh, keep me motivated and, you know, they keep you in the loop with what's going on with the Biker channels and and all this and that, right? So the, the one thing I do want to throw out is a special thanks to everybody on Patreon. You guys are the supporters of this channel. And it really means a lot to me. It's like, you could do it as little for a dollar, just like somebody pours you a beer, you give them a buck, or um, as much as you want. There's a $5 tier, uh, get a sticker pack, some other things. But realistically, what it comes down to is every time I think about getting a sponsor, I really just want to be sponsored by Patreon because it gives me the freedom to do whatever I want. And um, then you guys just get to hear me talk about Patreon at the beginning of this and not anybody else. So if you don't want to hear me just rambling on and on, go ahead and sign up for Patreon. And I, then you will know that it's not you that I'm talking to. <laughs> Anyways, I really appreciate all you guys out there that are listening, whether or not you're on Patreon or not. It means a lot. At the very least, if you're on, on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Thumbs up that keeps me motivated. Tells the algorithm, hey, this is a good thing. Let's see more of it. And then um, if you're a podcast, podcast listener, which apparently more of you guys are watch, watching or listening during the podcast rather than on YouTube, which is pretty cool. It's been neat to see that those numbers flip-flop. Anyways, if you're one of those people and you'd really like to help out the channel, swing by like Apple Podcasts, write a review over there. And... Um, that helps the algorithm tell other podcast listeners that this is the best mountain bike podcast to listen to. So with all that being said, we'll go ahead and bring Tyler on. How's it going, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. It looks like you're at you're at work. You had to drive into the office. Yeah, luckily I'm only about a mile and a half away from the office. So uh, it, it's uh, quiet. Okay. Uh, I've got I got two young kids at home, so I figure, hey, this is uh, this will probably work out the best here. <laughs> There you go. Well, that's a good commute, man. Yeah, it's was, not too bad. Not I was bad. just looking at uh, Jeep has a, what they're calling an e-wrangler, but it's really like a like a hybrid with a little battery in it. And it was like, oh, you can drive 22 miles on battery to like, so your your commute is zero emissions and no gas. And I'm like, 22 miles? I was like, I want to get, I'll get like one way. You know? <laughs> so there must be yeah, trying that- People like that last me that that last me a week. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's rad, man. So, what do you guys got? Um, what do you guys got going on over there? Or how about this? For the people that don't know what Fazari is, you want to just give a little interest or a little intro? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Fazari Bicycles. We are a direct to rider bicycle company. Uh, we're based in Linden, Utah, which is about thirty minutes south of Salt Lake City. Um, and we have been around, uh, since about 2005, actually. Um, I think the last time you and I spoke, uh, you know, last time you had me on was maybe four or five years ago. Um, it's been a while. Been longer? A while. Six years? It's I don't know. We see each other. We no, see each other. Fun. I'll, I'll probably say three. We'll say, we'll, we'll, I feel like three is probably the same. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's been a little say. while. So yeah, we are a, uh, a direct to rider bicycle company. Um, you know, we run the full gamut of bikes, everything from, you know, an XC race hardtail to trail buckle suspension, carbon and alloy trail bikes, enduro bikes, e-bikes, fat bikes. Uh, we've got the full lineup of road bikes, gravel bikes. 
uh, you know, a few little prototype projects on the triathlon side, really everything top to bottom, um, you know, and we, we custom build each bike based on the rider's measurement to make sure everything's going to fit perfect. Uh, we have the option to customize some build options. Um, you know, we really focus on the quality, you know, all the way from the design and engineering side to the manufacturing, um, you know, back everything with a lifetime warranty. Uh, and then being rider direct, you know, you're working with the team who's designing, engineering and building the bikes can help get those answers quicker. Um, you know, we try and pick up the phone, you know, as fast as we can, uh, you're getting real people, um, you know, and then, and then the direct factor, we're able to save you a little extra money on top of that as well. Yeah. I remember the last time when we were talking, you guys had that, that fit, you know, program where you're building it for the person that really kind of blew me away because it's definitely not something that other companies are doing, you know? At least not yeah, not companies that aren't like okay, ten thousand dollars for our bottom of the line bike, you know. Yeah, you know the fit thing is something that uh, has evolved over the years, and something that that you know it, it does take quite a bit extra on our side to really to go through. You know, especially as is you get into the mountain bikes and stuff like that, and you get drop. Like one of the biggest things we change is our like dropper posts. There's nothing worse than buying a brand new bike and that dropper post either being too much travel or too little travel. You know, and it's, oh, I got to swap out this post and buy a new post and try and sell that on, you know, your Craigslist or whatever your local classified and then find a new one or whatever else, you know, we're, we're able to change those dropper posts out, you know, get you the right travel uh, it's included with your bike, you know, or change a stem length or bar width or, you know, any of those things to really make sure the bike is going to fit right because no two people are built the exact same, you know, you can be the same height, but you might have a different inseam or different torso or something like that. And we'll change all those measurements around. You know, you might be on the same frame size, but all the other components and, and things like that might be a little bit different. So instead of trying to do that yourself after the fact, you know, it's really something we're trying to build in. You know, it's like we're building the bikes anyways. We might as well, might as well build them, you know, to the rider specifically. So it, it is a better ride experience and, and people are having more fun. Yeah, that's something that I think, you know, some good shops used to do. And there's still some that will do that here and there. But it definitely doesn't seem like it's as, as common of a practice as it used to be, like, you know, hey, I don't like this seat, and they just swap it. You, you know what I mean? So, it happening actually from the the bike company itself is pretty impressive. I, I think that. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh, I just say yeah. It's it's not an easy thing to do. I don't. Uh, I don't wish it upon anybody. Actually, it uh, the inventory management side has been hard. You know, with the, the last few years of of you know lead times being so long, it's it's been really difficult to try and get some of that, and you know some of that's had to come down. But luckily. You know, we, we're actually sitting in a, a really good inventory place right now. So, you know, we used to see lead times two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine months at sometimes. Um, we're actually uh, pretty fortunate. Our, our product team has been working like crazy, you know, with suppliers and factories and things like that, that a lot, if not most of our bikes are actually one to two week lead times right now. Wow, that's crazy. Cause I mean, I, I know that there's still a, <laughs> oh wow. I'm glad somebody just said something about my mic. I'm over here like forgetting how to podcast. Thank you. Um, that's probably better. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I mean, a lot of bike companies out there are still struggling with with lead times, and and um, that's pretty rad to hear that you you guys are are doing that well. I, I remember at one point hearing about some bike companies weren't even able to like like they weren't able to get the cardboard to put their bike in you know, and that was holding them up for like six months. And it's like, this is crazy. Like, so I'm like, what was, what was the impact that you guys saw the most during all that, like kind of COVID stuff? 
Uh, lack of sleep, probably on my part. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it was uh, it was a roller coaster. You know, we kind of, you know, I think everybody was going through it globally as we saw so many people wanting to get on bikes. Um, and I think it wasn't just the bike industry; it was kind of everything. Is there was so much extra demand, um, you know, and then things were shutting down, and we saw the ripple effect of COVID. Uh, it didn't hit everywhere at one time. You know, it kind of went like a like a wave. You know, think of like a wave in a stadium. It kind of went like that around the globe, and so different things hit at different times. And, um, you know, we saw, you know, demand go up. And so it was hard to get parts. And, um, you know, one of the things people didn't realize is, is, or they just didn't put two and two, you know, all the way together. And it's just, you know, kind of being in the trenches is if we don't have one part, kind of like what you mentioned with the cardboard, you know, and say there's a hundred, hundred different pieces on a bike or whatever the number is, um, bike can't ship, you know, it's, it's, it, it, we can't ship that out. Um, you know, it was, you know, saddle lead times got out to like two and a half years or something crazy. And you know, that's for new OERs. I were like, dude, just send me the bike with no saddle. I'll figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> you know? We, you know, we, we, uh, we kind of have an attitude here of, of you know, when, in, when we've been used to it, you know, we're the, we've been the, we've been the smaller, scrappier company for so long. And we've, you know, just kept after it of, of, you know, you get one door slammed in your face and you go and try and kick in another one. And, and you find a solution We're we're really good at, you know, from the supplier side, just working really hard to not take no for an answer. Um, you know, and so we're, we, we really just feel lucky, you know, of, of being in a position as a company and, you know, as a brand is having so many loyal customers and people who are so excited about bikes, um, you know, and really support something that, that we're able to do for fun. So it's, uh, we're, we're lucky. It's, it's been good. Right on, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could say that when I first heard of the brand, which for me definitely wasn't 2005. I mean, it was probably within the last five years. And since then, like on social media, I'm seeing it more on the trail. I'm seeing it more. And I live in an area that's pretty dominated by Santa Cruz just because, I mean, you know how it is like geographically, like you go to Phoenix and it's like everybody's riding pivot. Right. And I'm in Northern California. There's a lot of Santa Cruz riders around here. And, uh, but starting to see that Fazari definitely like pop up a lot more, like all over the place. So it's really, um, it's, it's cool to see a brand kind of like grow like that, you know? Yeah. How long, yeah, how no, long have you been with the company? Uh, so I joined Fazari in 2009. Um, so it's been, right. it's been a little while here and, uh, yeah, it's been good that, that growth you're talking about has, has really been something we've been working through and, you know, it's been, uh, you know, we've kind of been that 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 bootstrap story type of thing. You know, we've we've been small and started small and really try to make sure we have a good foundation. And then, you know, I think uh, kind of like you mentioned, we're here the last oh six or seven years. We've really just doubled down on everything we're doing. You know, product development. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, programs to make sure that uh, you know customers are having a better time. Education for customers, education for employees, um, ambassador programs that aren't your typical ambassador program that you would you know typically see you know, on a sporting goods or outdoor company, um, especially not the mm-hmm. bike industry. Um, you know, just really working on that one here about two and a half years ago, uh, we moved into this brand new building. You know, we, we basically went from a 5,000 square foot building to a 50,000 square foot building, uh, pretty oh, much overnight, yeah. you know, and just being able to expand, do that, you know, and, and, you know, obviously growing and launching new bikes and, and, you know, being lucky to, to have such amazing customers and customer reviews and, and the media really, going, whoa, what are those guys doing? And, you know, being able to, to test those bikes and winning some shootouts and bike of the year and stuff like that, you know, all that's really helped. But 
really what it comes down to is, is, you know, we're just a, a, a big group of passionate bikers, you know, road mountain, everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we really want to make sure that we're customer focused, um, and make sure that we offer the best, the best thing for, for riders, because we are too, you know, we're trying to send stuff out, um, how we would want to ride it ourselves. So I think that's really just added to, to everything over the years. How did, how did Fazari get its start? Like, it was just like one dude was like, all right, man, I'm gonna sell bikes, you know, like, <laughs> uh, no, actually. So I, uh, I'm going to tell the story. I don't know if this story has been told in its entirety. I'm not going to tell the, I won't tell the entirety just for, just for the lack of time, but it's, it's really cool. Um, so, uh, the company was started by a company by a guy named Chris Washburn. He is in the office every day and he probably rides as much or more than anyone in the office. And he's probably the fittest person here. Um, he, uh, so he, he, you know, in college, uh, he did the, the law degree and, and, uh, and business degree. Um, and he actually went, uh, and worked for uh, a car company in Southern California. Um, he, he was grew up in here and you grew up here in Utah. Um, you know, he was working there for a bunch of years and then, uh, he actually had a, uh, uh, a recruiter come and find him, um, and said, Hey, do you want to meet Lee Iacocca? Uh, for those of know the, the name Lee Iacocca, you know, he's, he's kind of credited with creating the minivan, bringing Chrysler out of bankruptcy. Uh, if you watch the movie Ford versus Ferrari, he's a main character in that, uh, you know, you know, automotive company and, you know, he'd left the automotive company was doing a few other things. Uh, and at the time he was working on a, working on a company doing e-bikes and Chris doing became e-bikes. Oh, okay. And this is, this is late nineties. Yeah, that's a long time ago. That's what I was. Yeah. I, I was like, did I hear that right? And <laughs> yep. Yeah, this is the late '90s, and so he he was you know got in the bike industry doing that kind of the outdoor thing. I mean, these guys, you know, for those that kind of know e-bikes and and how how advanced they are now, but these guys were making their own motors, their own battery controllers and system controllers, their own batteries, um, which is you know mostly those are you know it's like hey, we might buy a Shimano motor or a, or a Bosch motor or something like that, and that stuff's included. You know, but these guys were doing all that type of stuff. And so he was actually running that company, um, you know, and he was involved with that for a bunch of years and, and that company ended up changing hands and he was involved with that one, you know, the second, the second growth of that one. Um, and then, you know, just kind of like the rest of us, you know, he uh, had a family that was growing and, you know, he was traveling all the time and missing, missing baseball games and, and dance recitals and things like that. And just, he, he wanted to get back home and, uh, you know, had been in the bike industry and had, had kind of seen how, the internet was really going and internet sales and, and, and had this idea of like, you know, what, I'm going to, I want to offer a higher quality bike product, um, direct to rider. You know, the customer service aspect is absolutely huge to him. And it's very much that customer first aspect in, in everything. And so he created Fazari, uh, you know, and was, uh, using his bike connections in Taiwan and, and he was doing all the product himself. Uh, designed his own website himself, just kind of like every kind of little, you know, like, hey, I'm going to start this company. Um, you know, just kind of used his own money and 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 worked to build Fazari, and it's just grown over the years. Uh, and it, it's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, and to this day, um, he is one of the most hands-on guys, nicest guys. I feel super lucky, kind of feel that he's been my mentor over the years, you know, and, you know, because I, uh, I joined Fazari like right out of college and have been here since. And you know, done the, went back to grad school and it's been, it's been pretty cool, um, you know, to watch this company grow with him really, you know, spear point, you know, spearheading and, and leading this, um, you know, and just seeing how, you know, he's working to develop people 
Uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and if you talk to anybody else that work here, I think that's one of the biggest things is, is developing people. You know, we do an all hands staff meeting Monday mornings and it's everybody from with the most experience all the way down to, you know, the 16 year old kid, this is their first job and, and we're trying to develop people. And so that mentality really bleeds through and, and, and over the years, it's just been, you know, develop and change, develop a change and, and, you know, there's a, there's a problem. And so a new solution will come out of that. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the best things we've ever done have come from, you know, problems we've experienced. So that, that's, uh, that's kind of the origin story of Fazari. And then I really think what's, what's kept it going is just that tenacity of, you know, put your head down and work and, um, build the best experience for customers, try and build a, a, a good place to work and build absolute best, best, you know, best in-class leading product. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, make sure that, uh, you're offering the best support and best pricing and everything you can. Yeah, it really sounds like you you have a pretty uh, you have a good leader, and I think that like no matter what the business is or what the the group of people are doing together, like if you don't have a good leader, it 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 really always shows. And somebody that's willing to to um, like spend their money on their people, it that's powerful, you know. And then it makes people happy yeah. to work there, and makes people want to be part of that team, and then everybody works harder. So it, um, it's definitely a great foundation. I, I'll say that, um, one of the reasons that I like Cali protective so much is because Brad is, he's their leader, right? So he's the guy that's, that's the, the, the main guy from that company. And, uh, he like truly, truly cares about safety. Like the marketing guys there are like Brad's the worst guy to go to an event with because he's like giving all our stuff away and like <laughs> like some guy walks by in a helmet that's like five years old and he's like no dude you can't be wearing that anymore like this is so much better here just take this one you know and uh, so like and if there's a secret that they're not supposed to be telling Brad's gonna blow it he's gonna tell everybody because he's just super stoked about it right and but like the company there like they. I just really enjoy the company. They really care about their people. They have like a free replacement for helmets. And the only, like, not the only other company, but when somebody would ask me, like, is there any other company that you've talked to that makes you feel that way? And I always tell them Fazari. Like the conversation that I had with you guys last time, that's what I walked away with was that you guys really care about your people that are there as well as you care about your customers. And, um, that's unfortunately that's not super common anymore you know but um i think because of that that's why you guys see are seeing the growth that you're seeing that's why you're seeing you guys take off the way that you are well that's that's what we're hoping you know i think you kind of hit it hit it right on the head and you know we're, we're trying to invest in that and and we're in this for the long haul you know it uh it's not a quick buck and and yeah you know we, we're in it for the long haul and we found that you know, it might be a little bit harder or, you know, there's some, some decisions that, that we have to make that it's like, man, we're giving up a little bit now, but we know, you know, in six months, eight months, a year, five, 10 years that we're going to be better off for it. You know, employees are going to be better off for it. Customers especially are going to be better off for it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and we make sure it works that way. I mean, we have, we kind of have a, a decision tree here, you know, like the baseline is, is, you know, how, how do you make a decision? You know, can we do this? Can we not do that? What, what should we do is, you know, it really comes back is, is it in the best interest of the customer and is it in the best long-term interest of Fazari? You know, that's really how, how we kind of make decisions, you know, whatever that means. And, 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 and Fazari really encompasses, you know, the people, the product and the company, you know, and, and mm -hmm. really, really the customers, you know, we say once you, once you get a Fazari bike, you're part of the Fazari family. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm surprised that with the e-bike background that you guys weren't like the first to launch, you know, like <laughs> what was the story there? Oh man, e-bikes. Uh I absolutely love them. I probably ride uh it depends on the time of year. Uh this year I've been riding a lot of e-bikes. Um you know, it's it's something we're developing like crazy. We have our wire peak uh that has been absolutely killer, you know. It uh uh, I think from the lone wolf this last little while, it won uh, uh, last year, it won uh, wolves and sheep's clothing. They're kind of like, oh, unsuspecting, and it kind of blew their socks off. Um, you know, we're developing like crazy. Um, you know, that's that's one of the areas. There, there's more e-bikes we want to do and more we are developing uh, that we'll have, you know, over the next you know year or two and, and, and beyond. Um, I, at times, man, I wish we could go so much faster on e-bikes. But, you know, like I said, kind of mentioned, everything comes back to making sure we're here here a long time. and. Uh, e-bikes are probably the most difficult device, bike to develop, you know, our product team, um, you know, that, that's really my main role is like, I actually work on the product, team, um, head that up and, and, uh, they are hands down the most difficult bikes to develop, but, uh, you will definitely see a lot more e-bikes coming from us, uh, over the next, especially the next year, but, but even into the future, they're, they're huge. We're big I, believers in them. They're a lot of fun. I heard you guys had something in the pipes. I don't remember where I saw it or heard it. Something, some newer engine, super light battery, or something like that. Uh, we're always working on stuff. Oh, he's like, I'm <laughs> that, that's what I can. That's, that. Oops, sorry. <laughs> that, that's what I can say to that is uh, we're always working on stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. How about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about the the wire peak. That's the one that you guys have right now. So what's that? What's the price range on that thing? So the wire peak is our aluminum e-bike. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, 140 rear travel, 150 or 160 front travel, depending on the, on the, uh, on the level of the build. Uh, but that one starts, uh, under 4,000, uh, I think for 38.99, uh, on that, on that base build for us for, for an e-bike. It's an E7000 motor, you know, Shimano motor, just a good all around package. It's awesome. You know, for trail riding, uh, just good all around riding. And then, you know, we jump up from there up to the EPA motors, uh, you know, DVO suspension, higher end drive chain, and we even get up even higher, you know, higher end brakes and wheels, you know, up to 6,000. Uh, we kind of peak out of 6,000 as far as stock builds, but again, with that customization, there's things we can change, you know, if, if you want, uh, you know, a carbon wheel upgrade or even higher end wheel upgrade or some other change, you want to go electronic drive train or something like that, like an access drive chain or whatever we can change around and, and do a lot of those things. So, yeah, but that, that, that e-bike has been, uh, absolutely killer. It's been so much fun. And I think the, the real trick of why people are liking that bike so much and why we like it so much is, is how we package geometry. You know, one of the design decisions we make in product is, is we look at like a full bike system. You know, we're not just focusing on, on just one part, whether that's a component on a suspension bike, whether that's like just the leverage ratio, we got to look at balancing the whole entire thing of, the suspension design, the suspension kinematics, how that suspension is working. How does it actually work with a motor? What happens with the offset of the motor? What happens to the weight, the balance? And it's really tying that whole entire uh, circus, I guess, really, is into mm -hmm. one piece and really making that that really balanced. And so the things that really make the wire peak stand out and why it handles the way it does is I really think it's the geometry and what we do with the suspension. We made a really a shorter rear triangle. So the bike stays light and snappy and, and keeps the weight low. Uh, as far as like the center of the gravity goes and uh, um, makes a bike a lot of, a lot of fun to handle. And, you know, the, the, the price point, you know, you can, you can, you can own it under four and, you know, go up from there. So.
Yeah, yeah. So you said the six thousand was a carbon carbon frame. So we're just aluminum right now. Uh, just aluminum. But, okay. uh, but like I said, we were always working on new products. Uh, <laughs> Those so. of you guys listening, you can see the look on his face. That's like, come on, man. I really want to talk about this, but I can't. <laughs> I right. don't know anything. I'll let you. I'll I'll let you go on that. Seeing as how you run the uh, e e bike, or you're saying you're a part of that group, so. Um, We'll expect to see more from Fazari in the e-bike line here soon. What are you excited about? Oh man, I I've been riding bikes a lot. That's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, being able to get out. Uh, what's been really fun is seeing more and more people out. Um, mm -hmm. I you know we're doing a lot with uh, some of the younger up and coming cross country racers. Uh, recently today, you know, being uh, you know we're Sunday, July thirty first to get the World Cup happening here in the US, uh, you know, cross country downhill today was the, the, uh, the men's uh, Olympic cross country. We actually had a bike in that today, which I'm pretty stoked about. That was awesome. To oh, see. wow, right on. Um, our signal peak was in the World Cup today. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's been a really good time. Um, just riding bikes has been has been huge. Uh, it's that that's got me the most excited right now. So yeah, yeah. I see you guys at a lot of events. So if people want to try your stuff, since you're direct to consumer, which is the way to go about it? I mean, I, I can't remember. Yeah, you were at you were at Sedona. I think mm -hmm. I, I was talking to you there. So you would have bikes there. Do you guys do like outer bike and stuff like that, or? Yeah, yeah. So we're Sedona. We 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 try and hit a lot of the festivals, especially the bike demo festivals, is because we know that uh, you know being ride direct, trying bikes out is is a big deal. So so upcoming, we actually have a lot more planned. Uh, we will be at the two outer bikes this year in Moab and Bentonville. We were at the mountain at the Bentonville Mountain Bike Fest, uh, you know, earlier this summer. Uh, but upcoming, we're actually just put out a big demo tour. So we'll be uh, San Diego through Arizona, Texas, up to Bentonville. Um, and if you're looking to have us come in your area, let us know, um, you know, through our social media channels. Uh, we actually just put a, a newsletter out uh, Friday, you know, kind of talking about that demo tour um, and, you know, where people want to see us as well. So, you know, we've got we got two vans and two demo fleets and bikes are in stock. So we're moving. Uh, as fast as we can so yeah look first to the outer bikes um san diego mountain bike festival mount laguna happening uh october i believe uh so i'm sure someone will correct me on that we'll be there uh and then we're going to make some stops along the way out to bentonville um you know if you're here in utah we do have demos in our facility but we're also getting out to some of the trails here uh we're looking up in boise um kind of all over the place uh mostly in the west but we're we're starting to work our way back east as well right on so Basically, take a look at your website, and there's probably a listing there of like all the events or where you guys are going. Yeah, that that'll get up, but also a social media channel. But you know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that the 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 hey, you know, trying them out direct consumer, and you know, kind of what I mentioned earlier of, you know, as we've evolved and, and kind of that whole whole founding story is is when we see problems, we try and find a solution to them. And so that demo program is like, hey, I want to try the bike before I buy it. That is actually how we came up with our uh, 30 day love it or return it program. So it was it was really to find that hurdle of you know we're hearing customers and we do we're trying to listen to as, as much as we can and, and do its best is you know it's like I want to try it you know I'd buy it but I want to try it I buy it I want to try it so we said you know what we're that confident in in the twenty three point custom setup that's that whole fit system we're doing before you know our mm -hmm. bike itself and the quality that hey we're going to give riders thirty days to ride the bike and then like ride it on their own trails um, and if they don't love it they can ship it back and we'll refund the money. Um, right. you know, that's kind of unheard of in the director rider. Um, you know, we've, it's been, 
oh, about four or five years, four years we've been doing that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's, you know, that, that, that's just one area where we're trying to implement, you know, trying to change. And so now that, uh, you know, we've grown a little bit more and we can support some more of those demos and stuff like that, we're trying to get out, you know, go to people a little bit more. But, you know, if we're not coming in your area, that is one thing that we do, that we do offer is, you know, you're, you might have a buddy who has one or seen one or, you know, you might be listening or watching this that, you know, hop onto fazari.com, you know, buy that bike and you really is kind of that, that risk-free. And if it uh, doesn't work for you, you know, we'll, we do run through the whole fit process. We want to make sure it's a bike. We're not just slinging something out the door. We want to build something for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it works in, in whatever price point. And if it doesn't work, ship the bike back. We'll refund the money. Um, you know, we're, we're that confident in the system and, and really making sure it is something that's going to be right. So. What do you guys do with the bikes that come back? I mean, I'm, I would, I would, I would love to say that you never get one back, but like maybe like they, they, one or two has to come back, right? <laughs> uh, it, it's almost zero actually that that do come back. Um, so you know, and and, and yeah, we'll get one. Um, you know, maybe you know, there's a miscommunication on sizing, or you know, someone had you know some circumstance come up where you know financially can pay for it or whatever else, or, yeah. you know, a, spou- a, a spouse or significant other wasn't too stoked on the purchase. So, <laughs> right, um, right. you know, whatever the reason may be. And, and that's where yeah. we're at. We're, we're more interested in just like, you know what, like, let's make it a good experience and, and we'll go from there. Uh, they, they usually either we'll, we'll sell them here locally out of our showroom or they do end up on our outlet. So uh, if you go to the outlet okay. section of the website, that that's why you'll see them there. And, you know, you know, there might be, you know, a little bit of discount or if there's a little scratch or something like that, you'll see that there. But, uh, um that that's been real difficult you know the last couple of years because inventory has been out but you know kind of like i mentioned um you know we do have inventory now and, and, and you know, our lead times are quick so you know end of summer riding here fall riding you know it's something we're able to do is get you get your bike here in the next next one to two weeks yeah yeah totally so um how do you guys go about the design process like you, you have a bunch of like you're somebody just walks in one day they're like hey i think we need need to change the uh the whatever brand model up and like what's the like what's the driving factor like how how does that happen i think um probably the best thing is probably to kind of, kind of an example you kind of see the bike which way is my shoulder here this one right yeah. here this uh-huh. right here is our LaSalle 1.0 this is the first generation the south um and it's painted uh we did a collaboration with the utah jazz and kind of see the gradient on there anyways but but that's probably a prime example is so when we launched that bike, you know, that was a, it's a one one fifty rear one sixty one seventy front. We also had our signal peak, which is a one twenty one twenty bike. Um, and then, uh, a couple of years after we, we, uh, introduced our Delano peak, which is really, you know, it's a one thirty five one fifty trail bike, carbon bike kind of does everything. And so, mm-hmm. you know, how we design the bikes is like, man, we, we really listen, you know, or we're riding stuff or we're getting feedback from, you know, athletes or, you know, ambassadors and customers, like, you know, we try to be in tune with that. And that's really where it comes from is, is, is going from there and making sure, you know, how is this going to help a customer? You know, is this going to fit a different segment? Is this going to, you know, what, what task are we hiring this new project to do or new product or frame or whatever it may be? What are we hiring it to do? So Mm -hmm. the change with LaSalle 1.0 to the the 2.0 that we actually just launched this year, brand spanking new bike. Um, was really that, you know, is, is we wanted something a little bit longer travel. We wanted something that could take on the bigger enduro tracks. So we bumped the travel up. Originally it was going to be 160 millimeter rear travel with a 170 fork. Um, and then through some testing, you know, the, the shock size, we saw no downside to 170. So that's really why we put it at 170 on the rear travel. 
is the shock size is the same. It's just a little bit longer stroke. So th that's really where it comes from is we just, you know, we start making mental checklists or real checklists of what do we want to prove? How do we want to prove it? What are pain points that customers are seeing? You know, serve, you know, we meet up with our service uh, and after sale support and what are they seeing? You know, is, mm -hmm. you know, is it, who knows, whatever kind of clearancing or a new component comes out and we don't have clearance or we don't have clearance or, you know, how do we work with this? Or there's something we want in the product. So we'll go to a, a component manufacturer and say, Hey, we really, really like this to go this direction. You know, this is what we're trying to develop. This is how we need your help. You know, so it's, mm -hmm. it really is this, it's a, it's a recipe um, of how all of this comes together. And then it's a lot of, uh, you know, we have a weekly product meet an all hands product meeting uh, with the whole entire product team that we're throwing at ideas. And, and I think this kind of goes back to the foundation is we are very much idea driven. Um, we do everything we can kind of have a, a rule here of check your ego at the door, you know, best ideas win. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, that's awesome. And, it's, and, and that's try to how we roll forward with something like that. So, uh, you know, collaborative process, the new LaSalle 2.0, uh, it went through a lot. You know, it's a completely, the only thing that transfers over is the name. Um, mm -hmm. It's a completely brand new suspension design, brand new geometry. Uh, we mm -hmm. actually raced this at EWS uh, in Italy last year. Um, you know, just to see what would happen is, as somebody's riding this on the toughest tracks in the world, uh, mm -hmm. just back to back to back. And, and that's, that's really how it comes around. And, and we, we, you know, we have the design process, but that, that, that's the thinking, um, you know, on something like that. And then, you know, you, you tell me how much you want to get into as far as, you know, the design processes. It usually starts with a checklist and a spreadsheet yeah. and, you know, geometry and suspension. And then we go from there and kind of hit. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right on, man. No, that that's awesome. That sounds sounds pretty pretty uh, pretty rad. What um what did you guys did you start with mountain bikes whenever it, if the company first launched or? Yeah, when we started uh, in two thousand five, uh, there was uh, two full suspension mountain bikes and a hardtail. Okay. Um, is how we started. The suspension bike was at two different price points, and then a hardtail. Uh, and then in 2007, we added, so 2000, 2006, we added an alloy road bike, 2007, we added a carbon road bike. Um, and then, uh, 2008, we added a little bit longer travel mountain bikes. Oh nine, everything got a facelift, uh, facelift again in 13, um, you know, some new stuff in 14 and we've just been continually adding models and models and models. You so, guys have a gravel you know, bike now too, don't you? We do, yeah. The new, the new Schaefer. Uh, so it's the second iteration of that bike, and that bike's gone, gone crazy. That uh, took a lot of the leaning from the mountain bikes, and I think everyone that's that's been on that one has been super excited about it. Just you know, the stability and pace, and yeah, that that bike's been really popular. Yeah, I mean, so at this point, it's like you guys have you have everything, like whatever you want. You want an e-bike, you want a mountain bike, you want a road bike. Like you can get, it, you can get it. Yeah, you guys have. Yeah. A kids We're bike? continuing. We do have a kids' <laughs> bike. We actually do. We have a twenty-four inch. A 24 inch hardtail. Uh, that's awesome. I, uh, uh -huh. you know, my, my daughter's five and trying to get her on it. She's not quite there. She's close though. She's tall. So uh, yeah. yeah, we do have, we do have a kid's bike. Right on that. That's right. So you got, you got the whole family covered then. Yep. yep. <laughs> that's cool. Yep. What are you, what are you doing to get her riding at this point? Just, uh, she's got like a little strider or something like that or. Oh no, she's, she's full gas. So she's been yeah. on the strider since she was about one and a half. And, uh, you know, she's gone through the little, uh, 12 inch and now she's on to, I uh, got her 16 inch. She's a tall five-year-old. So me and my wife uh -huh. are both tall, but, uh, she is nonstop riding. She's asking to ride all the time. And 
oh, this morning in our cool. driveway, you know, you know, sun, Sunday morning in the driveway was, uh, we were actually having races. She, she knows, she knows her flag colors, you know, she knows, you know, green and white <laughs> and blue and the dog runs in the driveway. So she yells out, you know, yellow flag precaution. And uh, yeah. uh, so we, we usually have races in the driveway. She's all about it and she'll go for it. Oh, that's her. super fun. Yeah. My kids were little. I remember I, I used to pull them around one of those trailers when they were real small. And then somewhere along the line, somebody gave me one of those tag alongs and then, uh, just kind of went from there. So that's cool, man. It's really cool. And the, the bikes that they have for kids now are just really, they, you can spend some serious money on. I think one of my friends just bought one for his little guy. And it's like, I think it was like almost two grand or something like that. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. what's, what's funny is, is, uh, it's like, oh yeah, little kids bikes and you know, they're cheaper and you know, you get, you know, department store bikes and stuff like that, but you look at them and like the real high end stuff with suspension and hydraulic brakes, it's the exact same stuff that's going into full size bikes. We just shrink it. And it's just because it's yeah. smaller doesn't mean it's it's cheaper. You know, there's there's the same amount of welds and so it has yeah. to be the same heat treat process and, and things like that, you know. But does your hey, does your kids bike does your, does your kids bike have grip shifts or regular shifters? So we're regular shifters. So our, our kids yeah. bike our kids bike that we're doing, you know, it's it's got a Suntour air fork on it with like a lower uh, a lower spring rate on it so we can it can really keep moving. It's got a bigger negative chamber in there. So it'll actually move. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it actually has an Eagle drivetrain on it. Uh, we put stands rims on it with tubeless ready tires. You know, it's got yeah, a little yeah. small lever hydraulic disc brakes. It's dropper post compatible. So, you know, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's meant to ride, you know, it's, it's, you know, mom and dad are, are riders, um, you know, and so this is, this is a kid's ride bike and, you know, being a 24 inch, it's probably, you know, I would say a really tall six-year-old, probably, you know, taller seven-year-old up to 12, maybe, Yeah. you know, it's kind of, kind of the age range of, of where yeah, this one's positioned. Yeah, on the size of the kid, yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's good, though, that it has that stuff like that. That was one of the things, you know, when my kids were little, um, maybe I didn't look hard enough, but I, it didn't seem like it was easy to come across, like, the actual shifters and stuff like that, because ultimately what you want them to learn is how to ride a bike right and yeah if you teach them how to ride on a grip shift and then yeah i mean they're understanding that they're changing their gears but they're then it's another thing they have to learn again is like the muscle memory of these buttons compared to the way that you know another bike works so that's really cool that's exciting <laughs> yeah it's fun. It's fun a lot yeah fun. yeah so, so what do you ride you said you ride the e-bike what else you got Oh man, I ride with everything, everything. Um, I, I've been on a road bike a lot lately. Um, I've been, man, it just kind of depends. Uh, yeah. it's usually what something we're developing is usually what I'm riding, but, uh, man, kind of want everything. It just kind of depends on, on the time of year. Uh, right yeah. now it's pretty hot in Utah. So the upper elevation, so the e-bike really up high, uh, you know, winter time, fall time, I'm usually out on the gravel bike. It's kind of not mm. a lot of the trails are open, but you know, the road stuff has a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sand and salt here in Utah. So it's, it's back and back between there. Um, man, I ride everything. There's, there's, there isn't a bike really that I don't like. Um, yeah, yeah. Know, there's, uh, you know, just, a, just, uh, you know, this last week I was, you know, I was on the cross country bike, you know, 120 travel cross country bike. And, mm -hmm. you know, the week before that I was actually, you know, I spent some time, uh, over in Taiwan here, June and July and took my road bike over there and, you know, oh, I was cool. road biking, you know, on the weekends and, you know, 5 a.m. because it was 95 degrees and 95% humidity. So you got to start at sunrise, yeah. you know, and 
Um, yeah, man, I love everything. You know, I, you know, I'd say I'd probably mountain bike the most, but you know, road bike, gravel bikes, I, I, I yeah. love it all. So they have, they have any mountain biking in the Taiwan area where you're at or. Uh, so I'm further south. It's, it's kind of, you know, factories are in the cities. There's a, there's some stuff kind of in town, but actually up, up north in Taipei and on the East coast, uh, there's actually some pretty awesome mountain biking, you know, Taiwan's a, a pretty awesome country, you know, as far as geography goes and well, everything uh -huh. else, people, food, all that type of stuff. So, um, you know, there is some riding over there, but, uh, road biking is huge. I mean, I got out, you know, early Thursday morning, it's a weekly thing. And, uh, there was a group of probably 60 or 70 of us. And it's, it's oh, a weekly wow. ride, you know, that, that more, they get out super early from two different, yeah. two different parts of, of town. They kind of meet up. Um, and they're like, yeah, it's, it, it's a legit hammer fest. I mean, we're, we're, we were zip. I looked down one time and we were doing like 34 and a half, 35 oh, miles wow. an hour. Well, across I mean, it, it, it's moving, it's moving. So, uh, yeah. I got dropped fast. I, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not the world's smallest guy, but. Yeah, I, uh, I got dropped pretty quick, and then it turned into a scenic fun ride for me. So, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, man, that's that's they're they're dropping some watts on that kind of speed. That's for sure. Especially yeah. even yeah. if you're in a group. I mean, that that group only pulls you so much. It's not like you you get out of pedaling all together, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. Hang on for dear life. Cover attacks and. Yeah, and I just said nope, not happening. I'm gonna go enjoy it and go ride to the rice rice fields and, and mountains and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah, no. Either way, I mean that's super cool that you got got to ride while you were there. I was in uh, Jamaica recently and I did some riding down there, and you know it wasn't like some epic trail system, but the fact that I was like riding in a jungle was like that. That's freaking pretty cool, yeah. you know. Like there's there's isn't that the coolest thing about bikes though? Is 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 it's like it's so simple, but yet it's something that's just like, man, I just want to ride a bike somewhere and it's a whole new experience. And that's the coolest yeah. thing about bikes to me is, is yeah, we look at them as hobbies, but it's like, man, just the experiences, like some of the best friends I have, you know, or some of the best conversations or best, best times of my life, like involved a bike and people, um, yeah. you know, and I think that's, I think that's universal, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter what country you're in or whatever else or language you speak, you don't speak or differences you might have with somebody or something like that. But mm -hmm. You get on a bike, whether that's road, mountain, gravel, whatever, and you, and you suffer a little bit together. Yeah. Uh, it breaks down barriers, and it's it's just the best thing ever. And that's that's what I like the most about it. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I, I totally agree. Um, so Taiwan, that, that's where you guys are getting your frames built, or what, what's what's going on in Taiwan? Yeah, so we're we're designing and engineering everything here in Utah. We do all the final assembly. Like, I'm up here in our conference room here, but you can like down over there, lights are off, but that's some of our production area stuff like that. On the wall behind me back over here is uh you know back over there is our warehouse and stuff like that so you know all the all the all the design side and all the final assemblies happening here but you know yeah we use you know contract manufacturing like the rest of uh most of the rest of the bike industry um mm -hmm. you know and it's it's coming out of taiwan so it was good to get back over there and and, and spend some time with the factories and uh you know a lot of the major componentry is coming out of taiwan um super sophisticated i love that country so mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like going home sometimes so Oh, that's cool. So, so the aluminum and the car carbon both come from over there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's some, of then, that, some of the highest technology. So I've noticed a lot of bike companies starting to do their own wheels. Are you guys doing that or. I, oh, there's that yeah. grin again. <laughs> uh, we are not currently doing our own wheels. Um, okay. 
Uh, I will never say never on doing our own wheels, uh, yeah. but I know that we are focusing really on frame projects right now. Uh, uh -huh. Could it happen in the future? Potentially. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. but our, our big focus is really, really frame projects, you know, is, is making sure that's what we can control. Uh, that's, that's really where our expertise is. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we're, 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 we're going to hang out in the frame realm for a little while. In yeah, the future, yeah. who knows? How do you guys go about picking what suspension you use? Earlier, you said you guys use DVO. You don't see a lot of uh, companies like shipping with DVO. So I'm just curious into like what, what makes those, those decisions. Uh, suspension decisions, man, we, I think the biggest is we ride everything. Yeah. Um, you know, is that, that is really the biggest thing to us. And, you know, we use a, we use a ton of DVO, um, but you know, we use a ton of rock shocks. We use Fox. Um, you know, we are using, uh, some EXT, which is really high end boutique brand. I, I think we talked to them earlier. Um, yeah, they were on earlier this week. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's really the, the biggest thing with us was component selection and, and is is we want to make sure that we're offering the very best product at the very best price and making sure that it works the best for the customer. We want to, our goal is to offer the most value and most performance at any given price point. Um, and so, you know, as it comes through where we're at is we work extremely close with, uh, especially the suspension suppliers is because that's so integrated uh, into our bike is, you know, mm -hmm. you can have the world's best shock, but if the suspension design and kinematics and geometry don't work with that, it can ride terrible. Yeah. Or, or vice yeah, versa, yeah. you can have the you can have the absolute best uh, suspension design in your frame, but if the shock's not working with it, you know they counterbalance each other. So we, we work really really close with you know DVO with Fox mm -hmm. with Rock Shocks with EXT. You know that EXT shock that yeah, we're yeah. running, we're offering on the style is a complete custom shock. You can't even go buy it off the shelf, um, and we're really doing that on all of them. We're working through different tunes. Well, you know we'll go back and forth through a bunch of different iterations and things like that, but. Um, you know, it, it comes back to that that kind of core principle we've been talking about is, you know, offering the most value to the customer and and you know pushing those guys to make the best suspension and learning from them, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and and back and forth. So it, work, it works for a, a good partnership both ways. So when somebody does that custom build or whatever, they could be like, I want a Fox thirty six, or they could be like, I want a DVO Diamond, or they could just tell you what fork they want, or you guys have it kind of pre configured and. Like how, how does that work? So yeah, yeah. The answer to that is yes, we do both. Um, so <laughs> if, you, if you, if you look on our website, you know, we'll, we'll hit different price points, right? Um, is, is we'll put together packages at each price point. Um, mm -hmm. but if somebody wants something different, uh, you know, we do have options actually already programmed into the website, or if it's something I'll see, call us, you know, shoot yeah. us a text message, shoot us, you know, hop on the chat, send us an email. We'll work to build you whatever bike you want. Um, you know, we're working really hard to put together pre-configured packages at different price points. Uh, but we see it a lot, you know, is, is it's, you know, Hey, I want, you know, I want that, that top end, you know, X01 axis bike, but you know, I want rock trucks. I want DVO. I want an EXT. I want Fox. Yeah, you know, yeah, we might yeah. put something else on it at that and, but we'll change all that around. Um, yeah. So, so yes is the answer. We, we have both. That, yeah. That's really rad. Cause, um, a friend of mine and I were having a conversation just the other day where we've been riding long enough and it's basically almost pointless to go buy a bike already built from a shop because we have all these opinions about like what parts that we like to use. You know what I mean? So it's like if I go bought, went out and bought like the brand new Bronson, I would take half the parts off of it 
and swap it with other stuff that I just have like my own personal preference for, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. Oh, that comes with a, let's just say it's a Fox. Re I don't know what, what dropper it is. It's like, Oh, that's a reverb, but I can only get that in 170 and I want a 200 or a 210. So I'm going to swap that out. And then it's like, everybody, like, if you've been riding for a while, you have a saddle that you like, you know? And then it's like, mm -hmm. well, I really like these one up bars. So there goes those. And you know, next thing you know, you really yeah. rebuilt the bike. And so, we were having this conversation about like, man, I guess I'm at a spot now where I just have to custom build because I have too many opinions, but it sounds like if you go with a company like Fazari, it's like, you can, you can work with that then and actually still not have to go through all that, like extra customization kind of stuff after the fact. That's really rad. Yeah. Yeah. We do offer that. You know, I will, I will say like, man, our product team and our customer team and, and really even, you know, our build team and, you know, product resources, everything like that. Like we're all working our butts off to make sure we give the absolute best. Like we're, we're testing stuff nonstop. Um, we're riding the stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, this week, like, you know, I'm, I'm headed on a trip to go ride componentry to see, Hey, is this really going to work out? You know, how mm -hmm. do we want this to ride? And with really, you know, like uh, they joke around, like our, our, our customer success people, you know, our, our, our people that interact with customers here, they give me crap as they go, well, what's your preference? You know? And it's, it's, it's like, man, it's all so good that, mm -hmm. that we really try and find. And it's like, you know, like there's everything at that, you get the higher levels and stuff like that. It's all so good that it's, it's hard to find that, but we're working to really put the very best product on mm -hmm. our bikes. Um, and, and it's gone both ways. I think, you know, I'd like to think that we're pushing component companies to make better stuff, uh, but they're also pushing us to, to be on our game and know what we're talking about as well. Yeah, I just don't, I don't even know how you guys deal with all the different parts. Like, that's the, that's the thing to me where it's like, just having so many different options, like that's just gotta, especially during COVID. I mean, that had to be just a nightmare, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, that had to was, be like uh... oh, this is the worst case scenario. And then they're like, and it's going to be even worse for you guys over at Fazari, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, and there was time and it's totally understandable, you know, like, like some of the component makers are working with like, man, we just can't even get you anything. And it's like, yeah, yeah you know, no, I'm flat, no foul. And, you know, let's, let's try to figure out to be the best partner as well. But, but there was also times where we were trying to be scrappy. We were doing everything we could to get, get bikes for customers, you know, where it's like, Hey, there was a, it takes longer to, for, for example, I don't know this for a fact, but for example, like, you know, brakes were a longer lead time. We couldn't get stuff yeah. without like front brakes or rear brakes because of, you know, a lever specific or something. And so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, we'd have a company ship an entire drivetrain kit, you know, with by ocean. Um, but the brakes were delayed. So we would ship without the brakes and then we would air freight the brakes, you know, to kind of get everything to land at the same time. Or, you know, if we couldn't find one thing, we'd try and find a substitution or, uh, you know, or whatever, whatever it may be. And, you know, we were working like crazy to do that, but, but really like, like kudos to our customers. I mean, cust most customers were really awesome. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, I get it. You know, let's find a substitution and, and, you know, cause they, they, they realized that we were really just, you know, doing everything we have to have their interest in mind. And, um, yeah, there was, it was super hard, but, uh, coming out of all this, man, like, I think that's the coolest thing we have about the bike industry is, uh, for the most part, people are really cool. Um, you know, it's, it's a passion, um, you know, and it's a, it's a huge hobby and, and it worked through, but, uh, you know, luckily, I, I don't want to say it, it's a hundred percent past us, but, uh, you know, like hats off to the product team here, hats off to suppliers. Um, they've worked our butts off, worked their butts off. So, 
you know, we do have bikes now or we're doing okay on componentry and, and, and things like that. So, you know, we do have a lot of that, a lot more of that customization that we did offer a few years ago that kind of went away during uh, the COVID is, mm-hmm. uh, is coming back now. So. I assume you guys saw like a huge uptick in sales, like during COVID. H- have you seen that like level or start to drop or what, what does it look like that momentum staying? Uh, I think it shifted. Uh, we saw we saw a huge uptick of um, you know kind of kind of deemed it like like the COVID rider, right? It's mm-hmm. it's uh, hey, I can't do anything else. Hey, I'll ride a bike. You know, a buddy's riding a bike. I'll try this. Whatever, I can get out on a bike. Whatever yeah. else. Um, you know, we saw a huge uptick in that. Uh, but what's been really interesting too is high end bikes were difficult to get. And so mm-hmm. we, we saw high-end bikes kind of drop off one because the, the components and parts were hard to get, but most right. people buying a really high-end bike already had a bike, right? right. Like, you know what? I can, I can hang on another year. I can hang on another six months, eight months or whatever else. Yeah. So what we have seen now is, is high-end bikes, mid and high-end bikes are still going really well. Um, but, uh, like that COVID rider, you know, some of them dropped off, but we're also seeing the COVID rider who's sticking with it. Like, wow, this is really fun. You know, yeah. hey, I didn't realize like the community and, and the resources yeah, yeah. and the, the trail networks. And so they're actually upgrading their bike, you know, or maybe they yeah. bought like the $800, $1,000, hardtail. They're like, whoa, like I tried a full suspension, you know? And so we're seeing people at festivals. I mean, we saw each other at Sedona. That was crazy, you know, and some of the yeah. festivals we've been to, some of them been packed. And, and so we're seeing people, you know, that, that quote unquote COVID rider, that, that switcher, you know, they switch from one hobby to now to biking. Um, yeah. you know, they're getting that second bike. You're like, wow, you know, maybe I will get that carbon bike or that, you know, that alloy full suspension or, Hey, maybe I'll get like the gravel bike too, or the road bike or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of that actually. So they're getting into other parts of the sport then as well as, as just upgrading what they have. I mean, yeah. I feel like if you stick with biting, biking, no matter what you're upgrading. Right. So it's like, it like comes with the purchase. You get upgrade. You get like, here's your bike and here's your case of upgrade itis. It might take yeah. a little bit to kick in, but you're going to get it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, so I was talking to uh, this other YouTuber a couple of weeks ago and I had bought a single speed, like uh fixing type of bike a long time ago, just to commute on. And I have zero interest in being a road rider, but I was still upgrading that bike. You know, it was like, this is ridiculous. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Funny. So, so what is the low end? You said, you said you threw some numbers there a second ago that were pretty low. What is the low end of like, somebody wants to get a hardtail? What, what's that look like from you guys? So our, our, we start with our kid's bike, you know, 24 inch hardtail, right. uh, comes in, you know, right out at a thousand bucks. Uh, you know, the, the full adult size 29er, uh, is eleven ninety nine right now, um, and then we go up from there. Full so, suspension so bike for a an adult sized hardtail with a, so so alloy yeah alloy twenty nine er. We've got options. Uh, we've got an X Fusion Air Fork right now. There's a Suntour Air Fork coming right now. Uh, Eagle drivetrain hydraulic disc brakes. Uh, it's got WTV wheels on it. Uh, you know, tubeless ready. It's got tubeless ready yeah. Maxxis tires. I mean, internal routing you know, 1200 bucks, uh-huh. it'll, it'll get you out riding. Uh, we do two levels of that. We do a little bit higher end fork, higher end drivetrain, higher end wheels, um, you know, for 1600 bucks. That is an absolute awesome, like high school Nike bike. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they, they do really well from there. Um, you know, got carbon hardtails. Like, I was talking to 
I was talking to somebody about tires not too long ago, and they were telling me, what, what is the tub tubeless ready? Oh, I was Stan's I was talking to. So when it says tubeless ready, is it, what, do, what does that mean? Because to me, I'm like, well, why don't you just put sealing in it? It probably costs just as much as like putting a tube in there. So <laughs> uh, the, the super, super technical version of this, I'm going to default to the tire and the rim companies because that, that's, that's an ongoing debate of like the, what the actual standard is. But essentially what changes from like a wire bead tire to like a folding, bead, like tubeless ready bead, uh, uh -huh. it's really the bead, right? So a lot of people think like, oh, the tires hook on the rim. Uh, but what actually is holding the tire is the downforce on the inside of the bead and the top of the rim bed is really what's holding the tire onto the rim. And so uh -huh. that's all being standardized as far as what those sizes are and those tolerances and stuff like that. So it's really that bead, but that it's some of the sidewall compounds and stuff like that really what it. makes it tubeless. So, so when you it's got to be able to hang on to the rim. Yeah. So when you were saying tubeless ready on the $1,200 bike, it's got no tubes in it. It's already, it's like a tubeless tire. So, so no, there's, we ship it with tubes. We do have an option. We can ship it without that. The difference is like, if you were to buy a regular wire bead tire, you 100% have to run a tube in you can pick that tire up for 40 bucks, but the uh -huh. tubeless tires because of, because of what has to happen actually in the tire itself in the bead and just the manufacturing of those tolerances mm -hmm. of that to hold the tubeless seal at lower pressure. It's like a 75 or $80 tire. So basically what uh, we're saying is, is we're putting a much higher end tire because most everybody should be running tubeless anyways. Like there's really no reason not to run tubeless unless it's, you know, a financial issue, but, you know, the advantages of tubeless is, is you're able to run lower tire pressure, which is giving you traction. Uh, right. If you get a thorn or something like that, you can pop it out. Yeah, yeah. Hold it. I mean, all, all of those advantages. And so instead of, you know, kind of what you're saying, like, you know, upgrade ITIS, right? And so, right. hey, I got this new bike. Oh, crap. I got to go spend 150 bucks to change out the tires so I actually get the tubeless benefit. We're uh -huh. ready to go. Like, and that's that's where it comes back to is like we're so essentially when they get the bike, they just need to tape when they get the bike they didn't tape the rim and buy a stent like a valve and then yeah. they're then they're ready and some ceiling. or or at checkout hit tubeless ready upgrade we will do all that for you here and ship it to you so it's ready to roll tubeless it's there you done go. Uh, i see so then they, okay so, so it's a little like a little upgrade like they get you in get you in the when you're standing in line well <laughs> Well, to be honest, like, we, it's it's really convenience, right? I mean, yeah, you yeah, have to yeah. the know how I'm, having to get that done and stuff like that too. Yeah, I, I know you're being facetious, but yeah, you know, we want to make sure <laughs> it really it really offers that, and and uh, yeah, of course we want to sell it. So yeah, right. So, but I mean, ultimately, it sounds like it's a price point thing. Like, hey, we're trying to keep it, you know, at this price point, and if that's what you're looking for, then go for it. But for those of you that aren't, then here you go. You know, that, that's yeah. kind of what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. And for those that those that are comfortable doing, you know, more maintenance, and it's like, yeah, I can pull the tire off, I can pull it out, I can, you know, I can source yeah. the valve sealant, and I understand the taping, and I understand how to do this. Yeah, by all means, you know. But those yeah. that that don't want the convenience, you know, like, you know, changing changing the oil in your car is super easy, but most people right. use a a Jiffy Lube, Lube Dock, whatever, right. you know, and pay their their sixty five bucks or thirty, whatever the price is yeah. on an oil change. It's that, yeah, it's no, that same time. Yeah. You know, we offer that service just to, you know. We are willing and, and wanting to, to help customers as far as they want to be helped. Yeah, you know, it's I have to keep that in mind sometimes. You know, I don't change my own oil because it's a pain in the ass to get rid of the oil. But like, I definitely do a lot of my bike work. And but I think that came like personally, I feel like it comes from like I grew up. We didn't have a lot of money. So like if something was broken on my bike, I had to figure it out. You, you know what I mean? And uh, 
but I forget that like some people don't know how to change a tire. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know how to change tires? Like learn that when I was six, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, so it, it's just, uh, it, it's one of those things that I, um, I guess, you know, when you've been riding or into bikes for a, a long period of time, there's a lot of things that you take for granted. And, and I think some of it is maintenance, you know, it's hard to yeah. remember, you know, what it's like to not, not, not have, have that experience, you know? So it's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that with that too is, is, you know, kind of like you mentioned, like, man, so, you know, I bought a, I bought a, a new to me, super, super old house a few years ago and it needed some remodeling mm -hmm. work and I had no idea what I was doing, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm Googling stuff and, you know, asking people around and asking contractor buddies. I'm like, how do you not know to do that? That's super simple or whatever else. And, you know, I think sometimes as, 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 as bikers, especially the more experience we have, we tend to fall in that camp a little bit of, well, how come you don't know how to do that? Like that, that's so simple. And, yeah. um, you know, one thing that, you know, if, it's the, this is the, Hey, what could you change about the bike industry or what could you change about the culture or whatever is, is, is it's, is, is it's, Hey man, everybody's got to start somewhere. You know, how do yeah. I be an asset and a resource to the person starting somewhere of like, cool, let's talk through that. Let's talk through yeah. tires. Let's talk through setup, um, suspension setup. You know, that's one I've been, been really working on and working to educate as many people I can is, is suspension, you know, the last, you know, six, eight months, um, of, yeah, of so proper suspension it. setup and stuff. Yeah. And it, that's it like, changes that's the ride. Like, yeah. That's one of those things where I'm just starting to like, I, I think with me in the past, it's just kind of been like, I don't even care to learn. I'd rather just have somebody else do it. Cause it just like, every time somebody starts talking suspension, it seems like, like once you learn about suspension, all of a sudden, when you start speaking, it's like, wah, 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 to anybody that doesn't <laughs> know what you're talking about. So usually I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know, quite understand this rebound. And then somebody starts talking, they're like three clicks and this, and then I'm like, all of a sudden it's a different language. But like yeah. recently, I'm finally getting to the point where um, where I notice changes in, in it. You know what I mean? And I, I, I don't know why that is. Maybe I'm just paying attention or it's because I've ridden so many different bikes now at this point or you know, I, I don't know actually what it is, but it's like, oh yeah, I can tell my rebounds too fast right now. Where like <laughs> a couple of years ago, I'd just be like, man, this feels like shit. What's wrong with it? Somebody asked me and I'd be like, I don't know. It just feels like shit. You know, like, yeah. I don't know <laughs> at all. So, uh, well, um, that, and that's one thing we're trying to do, you know, is, is trying to offer more of that education, whether that's in person. And, you know, we've talked about video series or things like that of, of demystifying suspension because, I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. You know, we, we can, yeah. we can get really techy and, you know, into, yeah. into you know, leverage ratios, MS quadratized, axle path, axle degree, like all this type of stuff, yeah. you know, and, but it's just like, what does that mean? You know, how do we, how do we take this and go, Hey, I'm hitting successive bumps and this is harsh. What can I change? Uh, mm -hmm. Rebounds probably too slow. If you're in a straight line and things are too firm or, or, yeah. Hey, I'm going through a corner and that front tire is pushing. How can I, how can I get more traction? It's like, well, compression is actually traction control. Uh, rebound is suppleness, you know, and helping people kind of understand that. But but bringing in a way of like, oh, I can experience that on a trail. Oh, that makes sense. And and you know, versus getting really really into the weeds, kind of make it try to make it more understandable or use analogies that people get or something like that. And um, yeah, that, so you know, you asked me earlier, really, what am I excited about? Suspension. I'm excited about suspension. I'm excited about like educating on suspension um, and, and helping people uh, enjoy riding more and getting more out of their bikes. Yeah, so yeah. That, that would be one for me.
right on, man. Um, so what's the deal with the EXT that you guys are using? I was going to ask you earlier if you guys had any bikes that were able to run a coil and you kind of just answered it with, without knowing that I was thinking about that. So let, let's talk about it. Yeah, the new, uh, the new LaSalle Peak, uh, brand new, brand new bike. Um, we do offer an EXT package on that. So uh, it's the Aero Fork uh, with the dual chambers and things like that on the front. Uh, but then the coil shock, it's a custom built coil for us, uh, has some of the features that, uh, you know, you can find in, you know, Arma and Storia, uh, kind of back and forth, but, but really tuned in for our kinematics, um, you know, kind of mm -hmm. in between, you know, we, you know, we run the bigger shaft and things like that. And that. <laughs> so that is an upgrade option. Uh, you can hit a checkout, uh, you know, on the new LaSalle peak. Uh, it was pretty awesome. We actually have one of our, uh, uh, one of our factory independent enduro racers is on that one. Um, you know, he's been racing a lot of the BMEs here in the U S uh, some other races. So he's racing that, uh, but we do have, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of different suspension, but we do have our, uh, our factory enduro team. So we have a full factory enduro team, you know, mm -hmm. without at nationals out of BMEs and, um, they're on DBO. So we can go, go kind of both ways, you know, falls into that custom spec, but, uh, it's been fun to be able to work with, you know, both of those guys and really tune, tune that suspension into the bike both ways. Yeah. I, I never <clears throat> ridden a coil before I, I was using theirs and it's just really changed my perception on suspension altogether at this point i'm like i don't want to ride anything it's not a coil i turned into one of those guys I, didn't, I wasn't even trying to and then as soon as i i wrote it it was just like it just blew my mind i, I don't know if it's just because i'm a bigger guy or the how i'm riding or where i'm riding. i don't know i don't know what it is it's just like magic sauce on those like that coil just feels amazing yeah you can do a lot with that it's a, it's about traction and and stuff like that too but you know, I would, I would even dare say that uh, uh, the bike probably got set up properly for you. Um, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't believe like, man, I've, uh, you know, we've come across you at festivals or whatever else. We'll go ride with people, see people on the trail, follow people or whatever else. And these are super, super, super seasoned riders. And you're like, you're seeing their suspension set up and you're just going, oh man, it's like, okay, how can I offer a tip without being a jerk? Um, yeah. You know, or whatever else people are susceptible to it. But, but that, uh, man setup goes a long ways you know it's it's so often we, we see people you know five six ten twelve years of, of riding experience we see them all choppered out you know it's like i mean they're using a lot more rear travel than they're using front you know but it's like how do i balance this and uh -huh. um, you know suspension setup is absolutely key you know getting that suspension you know the the, the sag or preload in the coil same thing um you know and then balancing front and rear so they're working together uh, on a full suspension bike like that is hands down like the most the biggest thing you can do on on with suspension for, yeah, for control yeah. but yeah there's no doubt those those coil shocks they you know they work well with with uh with traction but you know kind of one, one one word of caution to those listening that they're like oh coil like um your bike has to work with it kind of what i was mentioned before is you know you can have the absolute best shock in the world but if that suspension design isn't isn't tuned or working properly with a coil uh it can be really really bad um, yeah, you know, yeah. Vice versa, you know, so you got to make sure it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a bike that's really going to work with that system. Um, you know, and more things are coming around to, to be able to combat some of those issues. And, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's very much a harmonious thing that has to come together. Yeah. To make a long story short, the way that the frame moves has to, has to be conducive to how a, a coil works. So it's not like you can just take any air shock off and put a coil on any frame. It might not, they may not they may not play well nice or play well together yeah that's the short of it right 
Yeah. Come over to my new, my new YouTube channel I'm starting in a year and I'll talk about suspension. I'm just kidding. Oh, um, there you go. Right. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's yeah. They, they, they got to work together. They totally got to work together. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, you guys work with SRAM a lot? We work with everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, do me a favor. That we work with do me a favor and tell them to come out with an Axis 200 millimeter dropper and they can take my money. But until I then, have been asking for that for years. What is the I, problem uh, there? Like, what, is, what are they telling you? I, they're not telling me much. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, 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 uh, I just like, I think it, I think it comes down to kind of any business. Um, you know, kind of while we were slower on some of the e-bike stuff is, is, you know, you're trying, I wish everything was a passion thing, but sometimes you got to put the business hat on and go, Hey, what development projects can we really work on? Um, at mm -hmm. the time, um, I know when I was, when I was asking for it a couple of years ago, uh, they were prioritizing, uh, the 27, two dropper for, for the gravel side, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's one of the good things, but one of the monsters of being such a large brand and you really have a complete line of mountain and a complete line of road is how do you balance that back and forth? Um, yeah. I think that's really, really kind of what was holding it up. Um, you know, and, and actually the more I've learned about droppers, you know, they're like, man, how can a dropper be so expensive? But they are like some of the most high tech suspension. It really is like suspension of how yeah. everything is working in a lot of those type of things. I think that's part of it as well. But yeah, I'm with you. Longer droppers for life. That's how we're, uh, yeah. we're building, we're building bikes. Like I, I I'm tall, I'm six foot four. Um, yeah. I picked up a, uh, a one up two four or yeah, one up two forty mil travel. Um, and I still got it out of my, my bike, like an inch. So, um, <laughs> and your frame is your, your frame like that, the, the like insertion on that is like, it still fits. Yep. So we, we've actually worked really hard on that. And, and, you know, you, you asked earlier, like, how does it, how do you go about design? You know, that that's one thing we, we really look at is we try and solve problems completely different, you know? And so yeah. it's, Hey, how do we make sure we have long droppers? Uh, in bikes, but still have two bottles. So if you look at like, uh, uh, like our Delano peak, for instance, which is that carbon trail bike, you know, hands down a number one seller. Uh, if you notice on the CT, it kind of comes, it comes down and there's kind of like a, almost like a nose on it, uh, you mm -hmm. know, kind of a little angle. The whole reason for that is so we could put a, a bottle on the C tube, but the, the rib nuts, the threads that hold the bottle on will actually sit in front of the dropper posted. So we have that really long insertion. Oh, there you, uh, go. you know, so we're, we're trying to think through problems like that. And, um, so yeah, insertion. So we've actually had, uh, we've had some women riders with long legs that are riding our small Delano that are putting like 170 mil droppers in a small. Oh, wow. That's and it's crazy. working yeah. so, on the trail bike and the enduro bike as well. Yeah. That's the downside of the, the Santa Cruz changing their, I mean, that's what I primarily ride and they changed that shock position so it kind of like splits the seat tube and um to put a 200 in i know the f i think the last model that i had so that would have been like the v2 ronson like i had to take the dropper apart and like turn the way that the thing was being actuated so that i could actually get it to fit in there for me where hmm. now i i have a 200 in but i think that's as far as i can go on the bronson my my tall boy i have a, a 210 in it and um 
I don't know. I'm, I'm like definitely in that camp of I, I want to like push a button and just see my seat disappear. I want it to be like <laughs> like Inspector Gadget or something. It just like lays it flat down against like the top tube or something. I don't know. You yeah. know. So um, yeah, yeah. Those uh, those design decisions like they're they're hard to make. Um, I I can't speak for Santa Cruz. Those guys do. Absolutely yeah, yeah. No, totally, I have nothing sure. respect for those guys, but. You know, it, I would imagine it's probably a design decision where they, you know, they prioritize the suspension over dropper insertion yeah, it would, yeah. with their current layout, right? You know, and that's something that, that we're trying to balance is, you know, what are we doing with our, our suspension design? But we want to hit that dropper, you know, our bottles working or, you know, whatever the feature may be, which different drive trains with different chain lines and hub spacing and brake spacing and how is mm -hmm. this all working, you know, and then throw e-bikes on top of that. And that's a whole nother story. Cause you got to deal with yeah. a motor and a battery. So, so you guys have two bottle cages on all your frames, uh, on, on most of them, uh, on most of, so Delano and signal get them, uh, LaSalle V one has two bottle on most every size. Uh, the, the second version of LaSalle, uh, it's only one bottle, uh, because we wanted to really look at what we were gonna do with suspension. Um, mm -hmm. and we're seeing, you know, as a 170 bike, it's a bigger bike. And so, you know, it's, we're seeing more people, you know, and again, just talking to customers, you know, shuttling or, uh, bike parks or, you know, they're doing rides where they can come back by, um, yeah, yeah. Hip, pack, hip packs are getting better and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that one's only one, uh, just because, you know, kind of as I mentioned, uh, you know, suspension design and geometry and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't think it's a big deal to only have one, one. I mean, I, sometimes we'll use two bottles on my bike in addition to the hip pack just because since i started wearing a hip pack i've like completely given up on a camelback and um there's other ways to get that second bottle on your bike there's like um this one company that uh, that i get some stuff from they uh i can't think of their name right now anyways uh they sent me a strap it's like a rubber strap but it has like it kind of almost looks like a tube strap but they made it so that you could put a bottle on it and then just strap yeah. it to your to your bike i mean i think originally their idea was a beer can and then uh <laughs> it also works for a water bottle so you can make your decision on which one you want to carry but um yeah like that or um there's some different solutions too i think even with like the i had a fidlock before on like zip tied to my top tube like right next to the seat so that way it would be like, well, every once in a while, if I really want an extra bottle that's there, but then it's not like, it doesn't look like it. There's like some kind of cage system, you know what I mean? Like yeah, strapped onto your bike all the time. So there's definitely some ways around it. And I think for yeah, the most for part, me, uh, go ahead. I'll say, yeah, for me, like, uh, uh, it's, it's hot. I'm, I mean, I drink a lot, so I'm, I'm more than a one bottle type of rider. So I've actually got a hip pack that if I needed to, I can throw two bottles like in the side or just like one, like in the pouch or whatever else. Um, that's worked well for me. And, you know, I've done multiple 5,000 foot days on stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. It's just more options. That, and that's the coolest thing. Like we have as, as, as modern bikers is like, man, the number of options we have is just like, yeah. it's awesome. And the access we have to that, the access, we have the information, you know, decision-making reviews, like all that type of yeah. stuff. I just think, I think that's cool. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Lucky. I drink a ton too. And I'm, my hip pack has two bottles. Then I'm putting two more on my bike. <laughs> and to be honest, the ride I did yesterday, I took a water filter with me so that I could just oh, wow. get fill up my bottles while I was out on top of the mountain. Cause I was like, oh, dude, I just, I I'm like, 
I'm like a, a, a leaky camel or something like that. Like I drink a ton of water, but I don't retain any of it. <laughs> so, yeah, us, us, us big guys need to drink a lot. I like yeah, to maybe I'm, a semi, I'm a semi truck. I don't move very fast uphill, but I can go for a long time. Yeah. I'm always teasing my one buddy because he's a, you know, typical biker size, like, you know, 170 or 180 or whatever they, and like, whenever we're going downhill, I always purposely tell him that like, I'm not pedaling as I go past him, like <laughs> where I can see him just cranking and I'll be like, I'm not pedaling. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, this in, inside joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good time, but it's, it's also just as funny to him when he just zooms right past me as soon as it starts going up. Then he's like, I'm not pedaling. <laughs> like, oh, great. That's awesome. Okay. Gravity only That's works awesome. in one direction, right? So, <laughs> um, so with with the e bike, what kind of range are you guys getting out of that? Uh, we're seeing. Uh, we went a ride a couple weeks ago here um, of American Fort Canyon, which is right by us. Some of the best riding mm -hmm. ever. Um, but with a, a 500 watt hour battery. You know, kind of sharing modes. We're we're getting close to five thousand feet, but forty five hundred, depending on the mode and the steepness. But yeah, really, range range on the e bike has to do with rider weight and elevation. Uh -huh. um, you know, but we're we're right around that forty five forty five hundred foot mark. Uh huh. Uh, and on, then on is that like a rider? Is the battery removable where somebody could have like an extra battery or like if they were doing some kind of yeah yeah we've tractor. actually done some big rides like that where you know we've taken a, a battery and thrown it in the pack. Um, uh -huh. ridden with it the whole entire time, but it's, it's a fast little swap, you know, it's, it's a uh, one bolt, pop a little key, pop the new one in and out. So it's, it's a fast uh -huh. change, uh, something that is possible and we've got extra batteries and stuff like that. So how much does an extra battery cost? Uh, we're selling those for 600. I know uh -huh. a lot of other companies are selling them upwards of like eight or 900 bucks. Uh -huh. Um, you know, but we've got our battery available from us, uh, for 600 as an extra battery. So. Right and on. you can charge I mean, ours on and off the bike and however else. So. Oh, that's cool. So some bikes, they don't like, you don't, you have to have it on the bike or something like that to charge it. So, well, ours is easy to come out. Uh, ours drops out easy and we have an off bike charger. Um, some of them, they're just harder to remove. Uh, just mm -hmm. depends on the, you know, the design where it's, you know, you'd have to drop a whole motor system. You know, we purposely designed this particular one to come, come in and out, you know, being a, uh -huh. a five or four watt hour battery. So, so can you so charge it in the bike too? yes yes so there's yeah. so, so you, you can do it either way yeah and the reason the reason why you would charge it off the bike is like um you know here especially the u.s or especially western u.s is a lot of people tend to have garages or somewhere else but if you live in an apartment or you know a city or something like that and you want to charge your bike you might not have to be able to you know have your have an outlet or a charger where you have uh you know where you have your have to store your bike or it's a detached garage or you know an apartment yeah. complex or something like that or in your city or whatever else you can pop them out, take them in. Also, lithium-ion batteries. If you're in an area that gets super cold, um, you know you want to charge them. You kind of want to be at a roomish temperature. You know, you can uh -huh. drop down to the you know 45, 50 without any issues. You know, you uh -huh. can be up at 100 degrees or whatever. But there is there's kind of an optimal like temperature to be charging in. So oh, if like okay. something's like totally cooking, you know, if you're in if you're in Phoenix and you don't have an insulated garage, your garage has to be like 125 degrees. You, you'll probably be safe, but, you know, as an extra precaution, you can always bring it in. Um, yeah, but that's that, really that was the whole though, idea. You know, I didn't really think about, like, people that live in, because there, there's some apartment buildings by me where, like, they have bike cages and stuff like that. Or 
like even if you were riding it to work like some people can't bring their bike to their desk or whatever like they have a yeah. spot in the building that you could leave your bike in but then you can't charge it while you're there or if you need to or whatever so no that's that's a that's that's a really um that's really thoughtful there i'd really i mean i really want to i want to get a, a an e-bike but i just keep wanting a different analog bike so it's like whenever <laughs> I, I tell myself like okay this year I'm going to buy an e-bike because I have all the bikes that I want. And then I start wanting some other analog bike. And then I'm like, <laughs> so maybe one of these years I'll finally get around to it. I, I think what I need to do is like, I just need to pull the trigger because I, I have a hard time like envisioning myself using it all the time. Like I, I, I feel like I ride analog bikes like a lot and there's certain aspects of that that I really enjoy. I, I have tried an e-bike before. I, I did like it, but in my mind, when I would use it would be like, there's a local spot that we shuttle sometimes. And I always think to myself, man, if we didn't have, if we all had e-bikes, we could get just as many laps in and not have to deal with like five trucks. You know what I mean? And so like, to me, like that's when I really feel like I would use it or like maybe if my time was really limited and I wanted to do, okay, well I could still do this like 25 mile ride and have all the fun associated with that 25 miles, but not have to have the, you know, the three or four hours or whatever it's going to take me to do it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That, that's the advantage there, you know, but, uh, I don't think analog bikes are going away. Um, yeah, you know, they're, they're so fun and just, there's something fun about being human powered. Um, yeah, that, that being says is it's hard to wipe the smile off my face when I'm on an e-bike. So yeah, I don't know. You can't go around. Aren't we spoiled? You know, it's like, man, there's new products coming. We're, we're spoiled. I love it. It's yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I feel like my personal opinion is I feel like there's going to be a point where an e-bike and a regular bike is the same bike. Like you just like take out the E part if you don't want to use it or something like that. That's my like crystal ball of the future. I don't know if I'm right or not, but we'll see. I can't confirm or deny that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No problem. Everybody listening, you can take that however you want. <laughs> Invest in Pizarro. <laughs> so, uh, um, so you guys have basically, it's like three different models of the mountain bike or what? what it, I'm so like bad with the names. You keep saying I'm like, Okay, so so suspension, uh, it's uh, it's regular suspension. It's four different platforms. So uh -huh. we have we you know we start with the Signal Peak, which is the shorter travel. You know the the XC race, or I I've been using the term fun country. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a fun. It's a because you're a marketing guy. You, you're like down country is not good enough for us. We want fun country. <laughs> no, no, no. Because I'm a big guy, and uh, riding from point to point isn't isn't as fun for me. But this bike's fun to ride. Um, you know, the the racing, turning myself inside out, doesn't get me very far, very fast. But uh, even when I do that, but it's still fun. So that that's the signal peak. You know, it's a you know 115, 120, or a 100, 100. Uh, from there, we step up uh, on the carbon bikes to the Delano Peak. Um, you know, which is a 135, 150 uh, carbon trail bike. Uh, we have. Uh, similar alloy version of that one um, in uh, uh, Wiki Abajo Cascade series. They're different names, same frame. Uh, you know, uh, just different build levels. Uh, yeah, yeah. A little, a little bit confusing. Uh, you know, but they, they are the same bike. That bike's been awesome. 
And then bigger bikes, you know, we've got the the new LaSalpe, which is that big enduro race bike. Uh, the thing about that one is I have probably done more four or 5,000 foot climbing days on that bike than I've done on any of our bikes. Uh, really? The bike just climbs phenomenal. Um, it just, it wants, I mean, I, I climb for the descents, you know, so it's, uh, you know, being a 170 bike, like, you know, we even joked of like not even call, calling it, figuring out a different name for 170 travel or something because, you know, that's going to scare people off. But the way that bike pedals is it, it really pedals like a 150, you know, 140 bike and just how efficient and comfortable it is. And then anything it's technical a 29 base. It is. Yeah. Do you yeah, guys have really a, cool. uh, do you guys have a mullet in the lineup? So it's not a stock configuration, uh, but we do, we can put the mullet on the LaSalle Peak Enduro bike. And then it doesn't really mess with the, like the suspension or anything like that. Just kind of maybe drops the bottom bracket a little or. Yeah. So it kind of, it, it slackens the whole bike out a little bit, but we do have uh, what we call a GA link. So geometry adjust that raises that bottom bracket up and kind of steepens the head to mango back up a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But like, uh, you know, we work with, uh, we work with Richie Schley, you know, one of the kind of the free red pioneer guys. I grew up idolizing him, watching him in all the movies and stuff like that. Uh, we work with him and he actually runs his as a mullet. Um, and uh -huh. I know there's a few other customers, um, you know, depending on the track, I know a couple of our enduro racers, if it's really, really steep and really tight tracks, uh, we see a lot of that in Europe, you know, they might run a setup as a mullet or something like that. Uh, uh -huh. I'd say most people are running them as 29, uh, but they do work as a mullet as well. Interesting. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm starting you know, just to, for those that don't understand mullet male, it's like, what's well, a mullet, you know, it's, it's 29 in the front and a regular 27.5 in the rear. If, if people didn't understand, you know what that oh, is. No, that's what I was thinking yeah. of the jargon. So, yeah, no, that's good. That's good that you said that. Um, I, I'm, I'm starting to like drink some of the 29 or Kool-Aid. So I've been riding my tall boy long enough that I'm like, okay, I, I can see it, but I really still enjoy my 27.5 bike a lot, but I've had a few friends that have um, been riding mullets and, it seems like it's got my interest, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm really kind of kind of questioning whether or not it's something I want to do. But I've also even put some thought into just trying another, like like a bigger full on 29er, which I really never thought I would say that. I, I really <laughs> didn't like just uh, bike companies in general have gotten so good at actually making those bikes responsive. And that was the thing that for the longest time, the 29er just always like felt kind of sluggish to me. And I kind of felt like no matter which one I tried, I always felt like it didn't, it didn't always take the line that I wanted it to take. It would like sometimes take the line that it wanted to take. I mean, it was good. Mm -hmm. Like we still both came out the end fine, but it was like, I liked that twitchiness of the, the 27.5. Like even for me, like I was one of those guys that held out even going to 27.5 where like, that part of 26 I really enjoyed and I felt like 27.5 was like okay I got a little more rollover and I, I can see it you know what I mean yeah um, yeah no we've been uh it's taken a few years but like there's been some some component changes that have allowed us to make bigger wheel bike better like one by like mm -hmm. the, the, not having to make space for a front derailleur man that opened up so many opportunities to really shorten in those rear ends um you know and and I know everyone hated it, but like running a boost, you know, 148 uh, spacing, you know, that that actually allowed us to shorten bikes up, you know, because mm -hmm. what we were able to do with that chainstay shape and clearances and, and stuff like that, you know, um, it's been cool to see all that, all that change. 
with a few things like that. But then uh, even more recently, you know, we've we've changed and experimented with different offsets and forks. You know, that changes front end handling, you know, is that those bikes get longer travel and longer wheelbase and and larger diameter wheels, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but what else has been been interesting to see with that is new trails are changing. I don't know if, if, if people have picked up on that, but the trails were right. We're riding trails faster. And so um, I, I'm just thinking like, like uh, you know, probably the best bike park here in Utah is Deer Valley. It's the most popular up in Park City. Um, mm -hmm. uh, they have an old school one called a trail called Aspen Slalom. And it is literally like the 90s Norba track. Like it's just these switchbacks and it's like super hard to ride on today's bikes. Because if you looked at bikes back in like the, the early 90s, like, you know, they were 26 inch wheels straight up and stuff like that, you know, and it's, you know, you, how trails are changing, how we're riding, what we're doing, everything is kind of evolving together, it seems like, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, we, we've all got our different preferences and trails and stuff like that, too. And I think yeah, that's yeah. us as, as bike designers to be able to come back and like, you know, let's challenge that and the fact of like, man, how do we take that better? Like that feedback of like, hey, I want something to have a little faster handling, a little faster responding. It's like, huh, okay. Well, let us learn a little more and we'll dig in on somebody or something like that and figure out, you know, what does that actually yeah. mean? You know, how do we define that and then, you know, go to work and, and try to adjust the bike to, to hit some of those. Yeah, you said a lot lot there that, that I wanted to talk about. First of all, the, the one by, it, it was worth it just to not have to tune your front derailleur ever again. <laughs> like, hated that you could only get one one chain ring to like work right for like three rides and then it would start like rubbing and so i would just tune it to to i basically used a three by as a one by because it was like just get that middle chain ring to like not be making any noise ever and i'll just stay there <laughs> but um you mentioned the boost rear wheel wheel do you do you see the super boost um gaining some traction or you feel like it's a, a trend or what, what do you think is going on there? Uh, for us as a company, um, you know, I know some other brands are doing things like that for us as a company, we're going to stay at 148. You know, the real big trick for us was, you know, the, the, how do we get a 430 mil chain stay and a 2.629 or tire? Um, that's really kind of what it came down to. And, you know, mm -hmm. with, with some of the shapings with, with how we're building our carbon fiber, um, you know, with, with, uh, you know, a lot in the carbon fiber goes into mold making, you know, how do we get our mold designs and stuff like that done? Uh, we were able to achieve a 430 mil chainstay length uh, and clearance for a 29 2.6 tire with a 148. Uh, but that also allowed us, you know, in sticking with the 148, um, it allows more options for hubs for consumers if they change something down the road, drivetrain mm -hmm. options, chainring availability, offsets, you know, crank spindles, all that type of stuff. So um, you know, I can't speak for other brands, but for us as a company, we're going to, we're going to stick at 148 for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I haven't heard many people like talk about it in a way where they feel like it's just gonna, like it's going to take over. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. You never know with bikes, right? Yep. So, um, shoot, what else was I going to say? Um, I'm drawing blank right now, so <laughs> we'll just go ahead. <laughs> and move on from that um what, what kind of brakes do you guys um put on your bikes by default everything whatever's performing everything. the best yeah yeah so, so it, it doesn't really just, you, you guys don't necessarily always build with sram or Shimano or it's not one or the other no it's it's kind of you know uh price point availability timing yeah uh, things like that like we use 
you know, we, we we're kind of open to everything. Um, okay. you know, as, as things change and, uh, you, you're seeing, you're seeing kind of the race, like it goes back and forth and whoever's building the best, best thing at the best time. Um, yeah. I mean, we don't even stick to a model year, you know, mm-hmm. is, is we'll roll out new product as it's ready. Um, mm-hmm. you know, or we'll change stuff and we want to make sure like, you know, we have the latest and greatest on something. Um, you know, so we try and, we try and hit things as fast as we can and, and plan our inventory. So when the new item is available, you know, whether that's a frame, you know, that's available or, um, you know, somebody changes something on a drivetrain or suspension or brakes or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. we're trying to get that into consumers' hands as fast as we can. Yeah. Um, I've been seeing like some people be super excited about SRAM access and some people not so much. What are you guys seeing in your sales? Do you see like, are people buying that more or do you feel like it's, it's not really like what, what the majority of the people are looking for? I, my crystal ball tells me that more and more and more drivetrains will be electronic in the future. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, I love it. Personal opinion. Absolutely love it. Uh, do you yeah. have to have it to have fun on a, on a mountain bike? Absolutely not. Or even a road bike right. or a gravel bike. You know, right. there's some cool convenience thing. I'm kind of a data tech head, you know, yeah. so I can hook that up to my Garmin. I can see, you know, I can look and see how much I'm using each gear and when and, and all that type of stuff. Like that's interesting for me. Um, we do, we do sell a lot of electronic drivetrains, you know, a lot. We do a lot of access, uh, drop our stuff. Uh, we probably actually do more access than not. Where do you uh, set that up? In your, what, what Garmin are you using? Uh, I have an 810. Um, and so you can actually. Uh, so it's like a. It's like a one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use yeah. the 130 just because I like how small it is. Mm-hmm. So I just. Um, so I definitely like miss out on some of the feature sets. Because I, I talked to Garmin on the podcast a while ago. And there were some things that they said. And I was like, that sounds really cool. Because I like data too. But it's like, I just love how small that screen is. Like, that's the only yeah. thing I don't like about the the eight or the thousand series. I don't remember what the numbers are, but it's like, the screen's just so big. And it's like, as a YouTuber, I don't think that most people want to see this like huge computer on my, I guess I could mount it somewhere else. But I, I honestly just want to be able to look down and see like a little bit of data, but then like, look at the, yeah. the majority of it later. So check it in your hip pack. No one has to see it. Yeah, yeah. You see yeah, your shift data or whatever else. So, yeah, yeah it's cool. You, can, you can't see it there. You actually have to get on the desktop app and stuff like that. Yeah. And everything together. But yeah, it's yeah. fun to see like, oh, I'm actually really using my gears or not using my gears. And you can kind of, I mean, if you get really, really geeky, you can actually take a lot of that data and you can export it in different formats and you can actually overlap stuff yourself. Um, yeah. You know, so if you get into like, you know, you can get into like shock whiz and you can see your suspension data, and like how yeah. that's working in different areas. If you're running track and, you know, I know I've talked to, I've talked to quite a few of like the, the SRAM world cup mechanics and stuff like that. And, uh, they have, they don't really sell it to the public, but they actually have an option that you can actually put a brake a brake sensor onto your, onto your rotors and you can tell when you're braking. Um, and so they'll actually run courses in, you know, like the world cup, for instance, they'll run that, see where they're braking and see where they can pick up time and stuff like that. Oh wow! You know, it's really one of those. It's kind of like Formula One esque, you know. And yeah, like yeah. That data, that data acquisition, and those guys that are a lot smarter than me can can figure out how to use that to an advantage. Yeah, so, but it's cool that that can I, happen. Yeah, the only thing that I can say bad about Axis is I hate that I can't individually adjust each like cog. 
So whenever I use the Archer component system, like you could bend your derailleur hanger and you could still like adjust the like fourth cog on the, the cassette to like make that one stop making noise, right? Without hmm. without adjusting the other ones. So like on Axis, if you do that, it's same as like twisting a barrel connector. Like it's it'll it'll change the shifting on all your your cassette if instead of just that one. Interesting. So, I didn't know that about the Archer. Yeah, it's got like a little micro adjust. Yeah, uh, it's like twenty positions. Or I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's basically the same as changing your like turning your barrel. Yeah. Where yeah, like yeah, Archer, yeah. like honestly, when I took my Archer off my derailleur hanger was all dinged up. Like it was like definitely not right. But I, I would like, you'd bang it off of some rock and you could just like, even while you were riding, kind of like the micro adjust on the axis, you could just adjust it. So you would, it would stop making noise and it would still be like perfectly shifting in all the, all the chain rings or cassette cogs, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. It was really like something that I expected out of the axis whenever I, I bought it to try it out. And, um, I was really surprised that it, that wasn't like like a, a feature set. So, um, with that being said, Shimano is still like is only offering DI two. What do you think's going on there? Uh, I I've asked them, and I think they you know they've kind of come out publicly and said it is uh, you know if they were going to come back with DI two, they wanted to make sure it, it really had a big offering. You know, they had their new uh, XT DI two. That really pairs up with the motor systems you know and so there's some some options but they haven't there gone with... wireless so it's like why have they not gone wireless you know what i mean yeah oh so like the road size i actually have like a, a durace di2 bike um it's the battery system they gotta have you gotta have so i know on the road side you can wire like the shifters can be wireless from the derailleurs but there's basically just wires to the battery like you have to have yeah. a wire from it's, it's one battery for both derailleurs where access has a battery on each component uh -huh. um is how they're doing it but 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 you can actually like the 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 drop bar stuff um and i think the new mountain bike stuff actually too there's no wire from the shifter to the derailleur that because that oh, part is wireless okay. but the wire is just to the power unit it's just the battery got it so, so it's basically just a power cord you know power cord to the derailleur to, to the battery unit whether that's you know, on the, on the road bike stuff, like in a C-tube or something like that, e-bike, you know, you can plug it right into the motor and it powers off the battery system itself. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, different, different systems and, uh, yeah. the e version of the XT DIT is pretty cool actually. Yeah. I'm surprised that the e-bikes haven't like ditched the derailleur. Like why are the, like, why are e-bikes not just using some kind of like pinion gearbox or something like that? Like, it's a good question. It's a good, it's a good question. question. I'm excited <laughs> for the day that I'm excited for the day that we can get rid of the derailleur. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my biggest next, complaint. You know, but it's got to be. You know, you got to combat weight and drag and serviceability and cost and and all those type of things. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get there someday. Uh, you know, something that's really that's kind of pushing that is that you know that ceramic speed drivetrain system. You know, that, that's obviously not where we want to be, but like seeing that push. You know, that's a cool innovation, um, you know, whether it works out or it doesn't work out, you know, but the idea. Was that that one that looks like it looks like a cassette and then it has like a cog on it or something like that? It's kind of like. Yeah, it's like a it's like a drive shaft that moves like it moves yeah, up and down yeah. the cassette. 
but just a concept that's not a derailleur. Like it's cool to see those guys challenge it and, and push that 100%. idea. So. I, I, I've said it a hundred times on this podcast already, but like, hey, let's put this essential part of the drivetrain as close to the ground and then we're going to go ride through rocks, you know, like, <laughs> like it just doesn't make any sense for the mountain bike at all. There was that. Well, bike I know. That they... go I was going to say, I know like, like being around, you know, being around the industry and uh, you know, being on the product side and working with a lot of brands and just, just a lot of smart people, you know, from, from every, you know, from the marketing to the sales to the brand everywhere else around. Um, there's a lot that people are thinking and working on that we don't see on the market, you know, and then you yeah. got to get the whole business side to bring that to fruition and stuff like that. So um, people are always talking about stuff and coming up with ideas for, for all sorts of problems. And, yeah, it's, and, yeah. and the bike, the bike world is definitely no exception. Yeah. So you guys have, you know, all your own engineers there. I, I work for a company that, that, um, they make robots that go on the bottom of the ocean and do, do things. And cool. so, you know, we got a, a bunch of engineers in there. And so like you're saying, like, they're always coming up with ideas and working on things and stuff like that. So what does that, like, that aspect of, of Fazari like, is it, like, are they working like directly with, with riders or like, how is it like, like if they're deciding tomorrow, Hey, you're going to bring out a new bike. Does that take two years? Does that take like six months to come up with? Like, I, I don't know what that kind of like time frame is. So our, our current product roadmap, we're working on new projects. Uh, like I know one of them, we aren't planning to launch it until like 2026. Um, wow, okay. you know, so that's cool. and that's, I mean, this is, this is like, Hey, we're it's, it's, it's component capacity, component availability, stuff we want, yeah. like the, the component in conjunction is going to work. There's, there's, there's a project that, uh, you know, we made a massive, massive design decision on two weeks ago. That's going to come out in like May or June of next year. Mm -hmm. Um, so it really depends on what it is and how it prioritizes and fits, but but as far as like ideas, like um, ideas come from everywhere. Uh, you know, our, our product team, we're kicking around ideas all the time. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, does this fit the brand? What problem is this solving? How is this working? But kind of design, I would say stereotypical of like, hey, we're starting to work on something. If it kind of depends on where it is and how fast everything comes together. And by the time like, hey, this is launched and introduced. Um, it can be as fast as nine months. Uh, it can be as long as two years. Um, mm -hmm. Like new LaSalle Peak uh, that we launched uh, in March of this year. The introduction date was in March. Uh, that was like 20 months is mm -hmm. how long that one took through COVID. Um, mm -hmm. But I'll back way up. Like, like the first iteration of the Signal Peak, uh, we launched in 2019. 2018, 2018, mm -hmm. 2019. I can't remember. Basically, we launched a Sea Otter that year. Uh, by the time we finished drawings to we had production bikes ready was six and a half months. Um, wow. That was insane. That was that was full gas. And then three months later, we launched the first iteration of the South Peak. Uh -huh. um, and those were being worked on at the same time. So, um, you know, on average, I would say the, the, the one of the longest is the variable is, is design decisions. You know, at what point are we going, okay, go, drawings are 100% done. Once we mm -hmm. say go, it's done. And by the time it gets to market, that's about, uh, 
you know, nine months to a year, typically, uh, just depending mm -hmm. on lead times and component lead times and things like that. But the design process, depending on what it is, you know, back a napkin to, okay, we're signing off on drawings. Um, it can be as fast as six, eight weeks. And sometimes it's 12 months, 16 months, depending on what we have to do with adjustments. And if we like something, how it rides in a prototype or we don't, mm -hmm. um, you know, it kind of just depends on, on what the product is. Suspension products take quite a bit longer, um, you know, cause we're usually building them and 3d printing them and, you know, running aluminum prototypes and test leads and making adjustments and things like that as we go. So. Do you guys have like an engineer that's that they just stick with that one bike or do they kind of like go through all the models? Cause I mean, you have so many different models of bikes. I would imagine that you're kind of multitasking that time frame at all, all the time. Right. So you're like, Hey, we're upgrading our road bike at the same time. We're upgrading our XC bike and we're upgrading uh, this model, the whatever mountain bike. And then you're kind of switching them, you know, as they're going through the process. So, I mean, is it just like, the collective group of engineers always work like all together on all the bikes or is it like one guy does the the mountain bike and not one guy does the gravel bike or gal or whatever so the way that we've set it up is we kind of work on i mean we're we're, we're working on strengths right um mm -hmm. you know like like road bike behavior gravel bike behavior is going to be a little bit different than mountain bike or you know suspension linkage and things like that and mm -hmm. so but everybody's pretty proficient in a lot of things. And so we'll actually just kind of depend on what's up and who has availability mm -hmm. and things like that to be able to work on things. But as we come to get like, there's the difference with like individual work on day to day, but then, you know, it's, it's, we work collectively on it. So, you know, the design team, like we'll review everybody's drawings, you know, and mm -hmm. we'll give feedback and input and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to kind of lead the product team here. Uh, like we had a conversation, like one of our product meetings here a few weeks ago, um, you know, one of our industrial designers, like he was pushing back really hard on something I was really excited about. Like I was pretty adamant about it. Like, Hey, we're going down this route. And he yeah. was just pushing back and digging and pushing back and digging, but he was doing it all from the very like data, like driven focus and like, how does this work this? And just kind of like we were talking about, like, you yeah. know, the customer or the customer point of view status and just mm -hmm. digging, you know, and, and. And it could have gotten really heated, but it was like, you know, I made the mistake of like, Hey, like I'm really interested in this, like too much of a personality in it. And he was mm -hmm. just pushing back from the data side. Um, you know, and then after the meeting, I went from there, I was like, Hey, you did exactly the right thing. Keep pushing, push exactly like that. And he just went, but I'm pushing against you. And I go, but you did it from a data driven yeah. side. Yeah. yeah. And, right and the idea he's pushing, like he was so spot on, you yeah. know? Once you step back and go, hey, what's going to work for the customer? How is this going to work for the company? Um, you know, I, I probably went into it a little too emotional, but he hit it from the data side. And, that, and that's how it works. And that's the culture that we've tried to build where it's just like, yeah. how do we make this better all the way around? And so, you know, we'll have people kind of work on individual projects and things that are excited and passionate about, and you know, availability. But there is that collective review, um, you know, and it is that idea first mentality. So those changes do happen. So it's all that dude's fault. We're never going to get a 300 millimeter dropper in a, in a Fazari. <laughs> oh, no. He, of anything, he's the one pushing for the longer drop. So no, we just got to get somebody to make it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just joking. Um, so what's the process then? So you guys design it. And I heard you, you mentioned 3D print. So you guys print it first. Do you like actually build the prints and like paint them? And like, how does that go? 
So we start way back. It usually starts with a, uh, you know, defining what the product is, you know, defining the problem uh-huh. it's going to solve, you know, whether that's a trail bike, e-bike, whatever, whatever we want to see. Um, mm-hmm. And it usually starts with kind of geometry um, and suspension because, you know, where we're going to put suspension pivots really, you know, we got to make sure that those kind of blend together. Um, once we go there, we'll start uh, with a 3D drawing. Um, you know, how do we want this to look? How is it going to work? How's the shaping? What's the, you know, are we compatible with all these different shocks, all these different chain rings? You know, mm-hmm. how does this everything fit in the space? Bottles, no bottles, you know, all of that comes together. You know, once we kind of get to that review process, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, it's building surfaces, it's building compatibility. Um, you know, then we'll go into, uh, you know, the, the carbon analysis of carbon construction. So we're building wall thicknesses and mm-hmm. bearing tolerances and stuff like that. Uh, if there's things, little sections of it, we have issues, we'll start by rough 3D print just those issues. So mm-hmm. we may print just a head tube. We may print just a rocker link. We may print just a dropout or just a brake surface yeah. um, and just double check all that in person um, and then, you know, adjust drawings as needed. Uh, and then once we get the whole entire frame, we will actually do a full two scale 3D print of the entire yeah. bike. Um, and then once we get that print, we'll completely assemble them. We'll put yeah. in forks, we'll put in shocks, we'll put in cranks and wheels, we'll run brake lines, you know, batteries will, or, you know, e-bikes will put in battery systems and we'll try to figure all yeah. that out. All meanwhile going, how are we going to manufacture this? Did we yeah. create some angle or some drawing or something like that, that we can or cannot machine? or we can't build, or, you know, we have this crazy idea that we want to mold something like this. Can our contract manufacturer actually make that? Yeah. Are the ovens big enough to cure the mold, for instance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or whatever, you know? So we have to think through that process all the way through, uh, you know? And then once we get to that point, you know, we, a lot of times, you know, way before this, way before the surfaces and finishes and looks and things like that, you know, once we kind of get a, a geometry and suspension, we'll usually get a, aluminum test bike um, yeah and a lot of times so your manufacturer does that or do you have something local that does that for you or uh we'll do that in our factory over in taiwan because yeah. what we'll do is you know it's like we already have a lot of tubing so we you know we open our aluminum tubing we open the molds the hydroform molds and things like that or mm-hmm. airform molds depending on what it is uh we'll cnc dropouts and cnc like the yokes like where the the chains they would meet up to come to the link and stuff like right. that um, you know, whatever parts have to be CNC, we'll weld those up, have to go to the whole heat treat and everything like that. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, and then we can test geometry or, you know, test suspension. And if we need to make, you know, some, if we want to make some changes, we can make those changes pretty fast. Um, uh-huh. All of that is happening at the same time or usually before, you know, the surfacing and things like that compatibility come together. Yeah. I have a buddy that, that uh, paints 3D prints for some other bike company. And they actually had to like start putting signs and stuff like that on these bikes because when they build them, they they had a couple of times where somebody would like try to get on it, and they're like yeah. held together because they're printed only like in pieces, so they're like yep. held together with like let's just say toothpicks for the the better you know for the conversation. <laughs> it's like somebody sits on this thing, it just crumbles, <laughs> so they had to like yeah. We we use plastic bolts and bearings and uh, uh, super glue. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. totally good. Yeah, we leave ours plastic. You can tell. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, they have so. theirs like fully painted so that they can look at it like the the, the finished product. So, I, I just thought it was funny though, like thinking about somebody being like, "Oh, dude, there's the new this," and then you get on it like. <laughs> <laughs> 
They just so, melt Lego set. Yeah. Lego set. Has, yeah. has anybody tried to, to ride one of your 3D prints? Definitely not. Uh, not yet. No, <laughs> like, not, not over my dead body, basically. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, keep, we keep those kind of kind of quiet. But yeah, if, yeah. You ever, if you ever use, uh, you know, or if anybody's out there, you know, come, come see us. We'll kind of show you some of the 3D prints and stuff we're doing. And, you know, kind of the R&D center. You can kind of see it, trying to figure out what shoulder this is. That yeah. container right there behind me. That's a lot of our product development stuff. We've got a bunch of 3D prints and projects we're working on or, or products we've cool. introduced, but the 3D printed that and stuff like that. But, you know, anybody's welcome. We, we'd love to have you out. So, yeah, um, I, I bought a know, 3D printer not too long ago. And I just, it's like, it's one of those things in my life where I'm like, I put off buying one for a long time because I knew how much of a time suck it was going to be. <laughs> and let's just say I wasn't wrong. <laughs> But it's yeah, super fun. Like it makes me like really look at things differently in my life where like before it would be like, oh man, I wish that I could do this. Or, and then, you know, like you go look on Amazon and you're like, oh, no, nothing, that, that doesn't exist. And you just like go along your day. And now I'm like, well, screw that. I'll just make one, make you know? It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got, we've got two 3D printers here in the building and they're going almost every day. So we're, yeah. we're printing something, working on something, developing something or, you know, we like yeah, a demo van. It's like, I really want this. This quite, doesn't quite fit or whatever else. And uh, we'll just print it, you know, or like yeah. we're coming with packaging scenarios for customers and we need a gauge or something like that. It's like, oh, we'll just print it or yeah. whatever else. So we're, we're using a lot of stuff like that. So Yeah, it's super cool, man. When you guys are um, welding the frames and stuff like that, do you guys do any kind of like, like um, testing on the frame after it's welded? I, I know with our ROVs, we spray them with this special coating and then they can see like if all the welds are perfect or not as far as like how they take stress. I don't know yeah. if it matters as much with bikes. I mean, we have, we're going to the bottom of the ocean, so there's a lot of pressure. So obviously yeah. that's not to be like on point, but uh, yeah. is it somewhere? So or? yeah, yeah. So I, it's a different application, but yeah, we absolutely have to test. So uh -huh. um, there, there's there's an ISO standard, like an industry standard that we have to test to, like they uh -huh. dictate, you know, to be able to sell a bike in a marketplace, you have to follow, or like any product, right? You have to follow right. certain safety rules, certain regulations. So and there's an ISO standard that we have to follow, ISO 4210, if anybody wants to look it up, I think you have to buy the book, stupid. But there uh -huh. is a standard of, you know, what we have to have for different impact testing or different fatigue testing and things like that. You know, and it will give you like weights and repetitions and things like that. But uh -huh. then that that's just a, a safety thing. But we actually go above and beyond that. There's certain tests that we've learned that how we want our product to behave, how we want our product to handle, um, you know, and work in the marketplace that we will dictate different tests. There's some things mm -hmm. that we test on different, like, you know, rear impact testings or higher standards. We'll add mm -hmm. more weight. We'll add more repetitions. We'll, you know, drop things from a higher, a higher fall. Uh, mm -hmm. We make sure that our bike is actually set up in the proper geometry when it's going through testing. Um, mm -hmm. Some of that's not required. Uh, some things are, some things like, like the rear shock is replaced with a steel bar. So 100% of that force is going into the frame. Um, you know, the ISO isn't totally clear. You can put a shock in there. You can't put a shock in there. So yeah. you think if you've ever seen any testing videos or something like that, and it's like, oh, that thing was dropped with 200 pounds on it, but it was only dropped from like, you know, two and a half feet. I'm going to put way more into that. But if you yeah. look carefully, it's like, that's a steel fork. It's a steel uh, shock. There is basically, it's dropping on a steel bar on the axles. There's no 
tire, rim, spoke. Yeah. There's no shock to take up any of that force or things like that. You know, so, you know, over the years we've learned and then just learning, you know, you know, something failing on a racer or something failing on a test or something like that. And we can yeah. change the, you know, change the testing standards from there. So are those standards like the impact standards? Are they the same for carbon as they are aluminum? Yes. Yeah. There's no, it's, it's classified, uh, like cross country trail and downhill is kind of the okay. classification on a mountain bike, uh, road bike. There's just road bike. There's no different yeah. classification for gravel, for triathlon, mm -hmm. for anything else. And so what we have done internally, like our gravel bike, we test at mountain bike standards. Mm -hmm. Our e, our e-bike and enduro bikes get tested at downhill standards, which mm -hmm. are higher weights, higher drops, more repetitions than just like a regular mountain bike. But even mm -hmm. our regular mountain bike, we usually add anywhere from 20 to 30% more weight and repetitions mm -hmm. than what the standard is. So right on. With your builds, do you guys add any like kind of extra things that you could do, like putting ride wrap on or any kind of like things like that? Yeah, so we offer uh, you know a frame protection kit, you know, uh, either like kind of a basic cable run, or we don't we don't do like a, a full ride wrap. Uh, I know that's something in the works. Uh, you know, we've talked with those guys, but we do offer a uh, uh, and we'll install that here. You know, like a deluxe frame protector kit that covers pretty much like the whole entire top tube, the whole down tube, the chain stays seat stays mm -hmm. and really those those high impact areas but that's something we can add here um you know that that's kind of what we said is is we're really customer focused we're all about the absolute best experience uh we joke that you know we're we're not really a, comp a bike company we're an experienced company who happens to be selling bikes there you, um, go. you yeah. know but we but we you know we're obviously into the engineering and, and manufacturing side huge but it is about that customer experience and and really the enjoyment uh, what, what about decals? And, like if somebody's like, man, I don't like that white. I, it is a conversation that's happening. Um, yeah. you know, it's not something that's, that's finalized yet. Um, we uh -huh. are actually, uh, we're actually working on a full custom paint option right now. Oh, uh, wow. So we hope in the future that you can do top to bottom, whatever your heart desires on paint. Um, oh, you know, wow, we'll, that's we'll, crazy. We'll, we'll, we'll paint here in the U S but that's one that, that we're testing and, and working through. There's, uh, uh there's a lot that goes into paint um you know with curing yeah. and durability and temperatures and controlling that and humidity yeah. and if that's not absolutely perfect you can have, have some pretty big issues with paint so we're working yeah, with definitely. a few painters right now to make to make figure out how to make that work oh that's rad so that, lots of good things to come then here soon with you guys and in, in the, that aspect it sounds like you guys got it dialed man just like the last time we talked and like couldn't be more impressed with with everything you have to say tyler so they should give you a raise <laughs> <laughs> I, I like what i do they let me ride my bike every once in a while so i'm happy right well hey man it's like almost two hours i always ask people what uh, youtube channels they like to watch just if it has to do with like you know off-road recovery or you know i don't know putting horseshoes i, on, I do on horseshoes i do watch or... matt's off-road recovery but uh <laughs> Matt's off-road recovery, uh, Wendover Productions. I'm a big fan of history and learning. Wendover Productions, uh, I like quite a bit. Um, what is that? What, is it, how is it spelled? Uh, Wendover, like the city in Nevada. Oh, okay. Utah, Nevada. Wendover okay. Productions. Uh, I'll have awesome. to check that out. Uh, I'm, I'm big into history and like all that kind of stuff too. So I obviously watch all the bike ones, but Wendover Productions is a, is a good one. And then uh, another one I watch 
big foodie, big into cooking, big into gardening. Uh, there's one called Eater. Uh, oh, it's right got just different, different restaurants around the world and stuff like that. Oh, cool. that's cool. I really like that uh, Bourdain show, man. It's a pity that guy's not yeah. around anymore. But yeah. my lady's a big, big cook. And uh, you wouldn't know it by her, like, choosing to be with me because I'll, like, eat Chef Boyardee out of a can cold. And she, <laughs> usually when I ask her for what's for dinner, it's like she tells me. And then I'm like, can you, like, translate that to English for me? And like, is it chicken? <laughs> is that what you said? You know, so... Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, that's good stuff, man. Well, Hey, dude, awesome. I know it's Sunday and we're taking time away from your family, but so I really appreciate that you took the time to sit down and chat with us. It really means a lot. I mean, you've given us so much great information about the, the company. I'm sure if anybody that's listening, hasn't maybe wasn't interested in Fazari at the beginning of this, I'm sure they're, they're probably going to your website and checking it out. If not, you should go check that out now. It's F-E-Z-Z-A-R-I.com, Fazari.com. You can check them out and see what they got over there. Apparently, you can call them if you want, you know, whatever. Go look at their social media. They got YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. I saw they got, you guys even have a TikTok? Oh, we do have a TikTok, and uh, some of them are pretty good. We got a pretty creative team, so. Yeah, you guys are all over it, man. So, everybody out there, appreciate all you guys for watching as well. If you uh, haven't hit the thumbs up and you're watching on YouTube, do that. If you're not subscribed, subscribe, whether you're on the podcast or or YouTube. I think most podcast apps have the ability for you to subscribe as well. So just don't just just don't listen to this one episode and call it a day. There's lots of good, good content coming on here on a weekly basis. So go ahead and do that. Remember, like I said at the beginning, the, the, the Instagram, the Facebook, I like seeing those numbers grow. It keeps me motivated. So go ahead and swing by there. Take a look at that. And if you don't want to do any of that, you just want to do something for free, just remember one thing. It only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one. <laughs>